0: does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q-certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Hubler
1: has it all. Kevin, is it wrong of me? And feel free to tell me it's wrong of me because I'm, I'm wrong frequently and so... In this case, I'm probably wrong, so you can tell me that it's wrong of me. Is it wrong of me that last night, about midway through the evening, I realized that on Monday Night Football, I might have been watching the Derby to see who's going to quarterback the Colts next year? Is that where we are?
2: Oh, man. Baker? (laughs) Oh, God. This is how we're going to start a Tuesday? The Tuesday before Christmas? (laughs) I just love – what I loved about last night was – Guys got to the line of scrimmage, and I could see everybody's breath every play. Oh, that yeah, was like the best. that was true Lambeau football yeah. last night. And why don't we hammer the Packers? There's no way the Rams are tough enough to go win in that environment.
1: Packers suck! Not to mention, the Rams aren't tough enough to win in
2: L.A. this year, right. let alone Green Bay, right? Uh, boy, that is that was a thought that didn't even cross my mind. Um... Now, are you referencing Matthew Stafford on the sideline, or are you referencing both quarterbacks on the field?
1: No, both quarterbacks on the field. I'm I'm being very flippant over the fact that if they do not draft a quarterback, they're clearly going to have to go out and get one, right? Does Aaron Rodgers like control where he goes? Uh, that's another thing that is fascinating to me. Like, because he's I, under contract I, I, for four more years, right? I mean, three more after this, right? Didn't he sign a four-year deal?
2: Yeah, I don't know the exact length, but I I, I, I he's not a free agent. I know that. Uh, Baker Mayfield, 12 of 21
1: for 111 yards. Average of 5.3 yards per reception.
2: Yeah, bully ball from A.J. Dillon. couple touchdowns. Packers win 24-12. That keeps the Colts at number six in the draft order. Now, as long as the Colts lose on Monday Night Football to the Chargers coming up here in six days, they will move up to fifth in the draft order because we have a Rams-Broncos. Mark, did you say that's a Christmas Day matchup? Yeah. Brett (laughs) Rippon and Baker Mayfield. Here we go. Let's go. Hey, Mom, got to stop opening up presents. Got to watch Brett Rippon sling it around the yard here. You turn off Christmas story for the third time. (laughs) The Rams and the Broncos are playing. So that's good news on the Colts' front. As long as they cooperate Monday night against the Chargers, they will enter the final two weeks of the season in at least fifth in do you remember, order. Kevin?
1: Do you remember when the Rams won the Super Bowl? I, I think you said it. I, one of the two of us did. I think it was you. It was like the day after the Super Bowl, and, and we were saying like, "Well, this is what happens when you mortgage. You push everything in, and you mortgage your entire like immediate future for a one year run." And kudos to them because they won the Super Bowl, and it's worth it. They're hoisting the Lombardi, but I. But where do they go from here? They have no draft picks for like three years in the first round. I mean, you look at them right now, four and ten, and literally, seemingly, what what do they bank on now? Their picks are going to Detroit.
2: Yeah, and injuries finally got to them. You know, Donald yeah. getting hurt, Cooper Cup getting hurt, obviously Stafford getting hurt, Odell Beckham tears ACL in the Super Bowl. So, uh, and I think there is a legitimate question: Is Sean McVay going to coach next year? I think he's a rather sought-after potential TV voice. I can see that. Um, so um, it'll be interesting over the next couple of weeks, I think, to look at the head coaching openings. I mean, right now we have Carolina and Indy. What else unfolds, and how do you compare those jobs to the opening here in Indy? I think that's a huge part of the candidate pool and you know what the candidates look for in the openings. What do they feel like um, they can pass up? All of those things. Good Tuesday morning to you. Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, and Mark Dykton here on 93.5 The Fan. Are we what? are like 72 hours away from Armageddon weather? I think that's right. Late Thursday night into Friday? Is that what I'm seeing? Winter Bomb. Is mm-hmm. that what they're calling it? Oh, do we have a name already? Yeah, I was going to say I Winter Bomb. Snow yet. Bomb. Didn't the Colts play in a Bomb Cyclone one year? Bomb Cyclone. Yeah, yeah. I that was the that.
3: Niners game, right? Yeah. Isn't that what
2: that was? Yeah, it wasn't even snow, right? Yeah, something crazy. So we have no show Friday. I guess that's a good thing based off the forecast I've seen, right? Yeah, I mean, got my pen just broke. I feel like now. What about Christmas Eve?
1: So Friday weather is terrible. Saturday is Christmas Eve, right? Mm-hmm. And you guys are Newfields bound. Newfields seven thirty on Saturday for us, but I, and I mean we're gonna go come hell or high water, but. It um, might be hell because
3: it sounds like it's gonna be like eight
1: degrees outside. Well, that's fine. You bundle up. That that makes that's part of the fun, man. It's part of the fun. You don't want. You know, I did think about this.
2: I respect that dedication.
1: And you know what? So, Shannon's slightly under the weather. And yesterday, I said to her, I said, "Well, listen, you know, if we'll figure out what we want," and she goes, "Oh, we're we're going. It's tradition. We're, we're going." I'm bundling up. We'll be outside. Okay. Now, the. The one thing that I thought about, and I think about this every year, I do not like winter weather at all. I don't mind the cold temperature so much. It's a hassle to me. But the lack of sunshine really gets to me, really bothers me, right? But even with that... Got great
2: sunshine yesterday.
1: As it was nice yesterday, but as, like at the tide when they they break out the fake snowflakes and and everybody starts singing and whatever else, and I, and I just thought to myself, and I'm sure you would get used to it. Don't get me wrong. But can you imagine living in Miami at Christmas time? Isn't like part of the Christmas tradition? Isn't part of Christmas or or the holiday season, whether it's Hanukkah, whatever you may celebrate, New Year's, New Year's night, be a good example here. But isn't part of just the holiday season? The tradition of like people scurrying inside, like, oh boy, it's chilly out. You know, okay, well, here, you know, have a have a cup of coffee or a hot chocolate. or what. I mean, isn't that part of the deal?
2: Yeah, it's not real Christmas to me.
1: What's not the
2: sunshine Christmas, you mean? South Beach. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I'm
1: sure I'd get used to
2: it. You're but- not building any character there.
1: That's how Santa's
2: <laughs> sleigh works.
1: That's right. That's exactly right. Santa's got that big coat on for a reason, yeah, it right?
2: operates in cold weather.
1: I never um, thought about that. What happens when Santa's got to be dying when he goes to like Ecuador? Yeah, he yeah, probably is able to shut off a few of those pounds.
2: and <laughs> I mean, put him back on with all the cookies he's eating. That's yeah, that's he's, good he's probably you know, pumping iron.
3: What do you yeah. think he's doing? It's probably shredded.
2: Um, <laughs> we'll keep you posted Santa on that Daddy. later in the week. Obviously, something to monitor tonight. You've got IU back in action against Elon. Uh, the Xavier Bush? Johnson. I was say he's running Twitter. <laughs> wow, a, yeah. how much stuff does he have on his right now? I can tell he doesn't have his fingerprints on the Elon basketball team, or maybe he does. Uh, they're two and ten on the year. Care to guess the two wins for Elon?
4: Uh,
2: Lipscomb and Bryant. A, I feel like Lipscomb's got to be their rival, right? That's a <laughs> great guess. <laughs> and Bryant, right? Uh, they have beat Erskine and Johnson and Carl Wales. Erskine. Johnson and Wales? Johnson and Wales. Johnson was hurt
1: that night. It was just Wales. That's why they got the win. <laughs> so that Johnson like a, got hurt and he was wheeling.
2: That's right. Is that like Boris and then Wales? I'm, I'm kind of confused where S- Johnson S- and S- Wales... Where
1: is, where is Johnson and Wales? i got to look this up. What's Johnson and Wales' mascot? A law firm, it sounds
2: like. <laughs> do, you, uh, do you recall the you name... Don't, Bill- we don't win, you don't pay. <laughs> do you recall the name Billy Taylor at all, Jake? Played for Digger Phelps? I do remember that Ball name. Ball State head yes. coach? Uh, yeah, he is right. the head coach of Elon. First year down there. Obviously, Indiana should not be tested on the basketball floor tonight, but... Providence, Rhode Island for Johnson and
1: Wales started in 1914 by Gertrude Johnson. You know your school's old when it was started by Gertrude. Gertrude. Yep. We got a
2: statue (laughs) out front of Gertrude. (laughs) Gertie, as she's known. Uh, I do feel this about IU with Elon tonight, and then... I forget who they've got before the end of... um, Before they do... uh, Christmas break because they don't play again until, it's Kennesaw State, that's the other game they have. They don't play after that until January 5th, so it's this two games, then a long break. They've got to just trial and error point guards out almost here over the next couple weeks. The Xavier Johnson update from Mike Woodson last night was, we'll wait on if X ever gets the chance to come back, but right now we need to move forward with what we've got. So it does not sound like a ringing endorsement on Xavier Johnson being back anytime soon. Again, I think there's some rumors out there of a broken foot. Uh, I'd assume you hand the ball to Jalen hood shafino and say, stay healthy and be our freshman point guard. Jake, they just don't have any other options really on the roster. I guess Trey Galloway? I don't think Tamar Bates is a point guard. So I'll be very curious to see how IU handles this because it's going to be an extended absence, it sounds like. Again, they don't have many many, meaningful games in the next couple weeks. But you've got to spend the night just seeing what you got with different guys on your roster and see if you can find anything at the point guard position yeah, outside of Hood Shafino. It's
1: definitely unfortunate. Um, you can read between the lines. Maybe that's dangerous to do with his comments that certainly well into Big Ten play, it looks like, Xavier Johnson, if he plays this year, is going to be a I mean, he basically said, you know, if we get him back.
2: I don't think – I mean, C.J. Gunn's a little bit more off the ball. So, again, same with Tamar Bates. I know the Galloway's handled it or did a little bit in that Rutgers game when um, – or that Arizona game when Xavier Johnson was out. So I think it's a huge question for Mike Woodson and his staff. You obviously have a lot of practice time between now and January 5th when you start Big Ten play again at Iowa. Uh, but obviously a huge question right now for the Hoosiers.
1: By the way, did I already mention, and I should have mentioned this yesterday. And if I didn't, I might have already mentioned it this morning. I'm still half asleep, so my apologies. Uh, happy 58th wedding anniversary to my parents yesterday. Nice. I forgot to I forgot to mention that uh, yesterday. That's a big number. It is, I was thinking about that. I'm like, 58? I mean, that's... Good for them. Yeah. They got married at the age of... Uh, that's what I was thinking about. So my dad would have been... My dad would have been... This is amazing. When my parents got married, my dad would have been 22 and a half, and my mom was 21. Boy. It's safe I mean, to say, marriage is not on a, my radar at that age. Different different time period, I guess, right? I mean, yeah. just a different era, but... That's um, awesome. But yeah, 58 years. They went to St. Elmo last night and went to dinner, and... So they had a little Christmassy marriage. They did. Um, both of them from Indianapolis my dad was uh, uh, a, a North Central and Broad guy. My mom went to Short Ridge, and then 52nd and Meridian. My dad pulled up at a stoplight next to the car my mom, my mom was sitting in. But my dad knew the woman, my mom's friend. Said, "Hey, who was that girl in the car?" And
2: lo and behold, there you go. Boy, that's quite the story. I know. My dad had some game, huh? Man, I was struggling there for a while. I should have tried that one. Hey! Put down your window. <laughs> you got a moment? Uh, uh, oh, the light just turned green. <laughs> there you go. I really try to hit these <laughs> lights,
1: lights already. I, I have to be really careful when I say my dad met my mom on a street corner, right? Yeah, so,
3: that's.
0: <laughs> good I've got to be. Yeah.
1: I've got to be really careful. Tread water yeah, slightly. I have to probably explain, just move right? on after that one. That's right. Uh, a lot to talk about this morning, by the way. Greg Ragstar is going to join us at 8 o'clock this morning, then Tony East at 9. Buddy mine texted me this morning and said, Looks like the schedule is starting to catch up to the Pacers a little bit. Kevin, you agree with that?
2: I think they're about to enter the hardest stretch of the season, Jake. Yeah, they got three in a row on the road, right? And I think, l- look at the three in a row at Boston, at Miami, at New Orleans. Uh, New Orleans and Boston currently second. In the East or in the in the respective conferences, the East and the West, Miami, it's always just an absolute, yeah, just slugfest with them. We saw what happened uh, last week at Bankers Life or GameBridge, and that'll be down there in Miami. Honestly, probably a good time to be in Miami for the Pacers. But yeah, I think the schedule's certainly starting to catch up to them. I do feel like this is the healthiest they've been in a while. So I'm curious how. With Chris Duarte back and you know, just it really seems like no one is gonna be out. I'm um, curious how Rick Carlisle will handle the rotation. But yeah, they've lost four of five again, struggled end of games. We'll have Tony East on at nine o'clock. Question I want to throw to Tony is you know, thirty-one games into the season. Pacers are fifteen and sixteen, kinda squarely in that play-in game range right now, if you look at the Eastern Conference standings. Has the opinion on Miles Turner and or Buddy Heald and their trade potential, has that changed changed at all? Internally. Have the Pacers looked at this and say, we need to definitely, definitely move them, or we need to think about bringing them
1: back? You know, the thing that's that intrigues me is, like, we'll take Buddy Heald, Kevin. His name is constantly mentioned. Now, why is his name mentioned over others? Just because is it thought that he was kind of the, I I, I guess it's because a lot of times it's it's how you were acquired. Like in the NFL, I've always said a player sometimes is judged by how or where they were acquired. In other words, Alex Smith—he's the example I always use. Alex Smith was a really good, serviceable, long-term quarterback in the NFL, good player, but because he was the number one overall player taken in the draft. People are like, eh, he didn't live up to expectation." Okay, but if you drafted him 20th, you know, good, solid, he had a nice career that you'd like to have for an NFL player. But where you're acquired or how you're acquired factors in. In Buddy Heald's case, is it strictly the fact that the Pacers clearly were trading Domas Sabonis for Tyrese Halliburton? And healed was the salary match, and thus he's just seen as this floating, expendable piece that was like a buy one, get one 50% off type deal.
2: Yeah, I think maybe a little bit. I would say more Jake has to do with age. I get that. He's 30, doesn't fit the Pacers' timeline, and he's a great shooter. That's always something coveted at the deadline. And then I think there's a little bit of a... Buddy Heald has been in the league, what, for 10 years now, and he's never played a playoff game? Right. So Buddy Heald, I think, and wasn't that expressed before the start of the season? Wasn't there like a maybe a mutual agreement? I think that was reported maybe by Bob Kravitz that Herb Simon told Buddy Heald if they can make something work, they will get something done. I mean, isn't there an element of Buddy that he seems like a great, great pro, but don't you want to experience the playoffs? Have you been in Sacramento yeah. for a huge chunk? You know, and- it just
1: if you're Buddy Heald, you're thinking to the- you would think that you would think to yourself, and maybe I'm being too bullish and too optimistic here, but there seems to be a school of thought of, you know, the Pacers in a year or two are probably going to be pretty darn good, and he could be a veteran piece on that. And would he want to just be able to to help out with that ride? And I get that that he also probably represents something that can turn into longer-term pieces for them. But again, I, I, I think he's been valued more in the locker room than they thought they would value him.
2: Yeah, I would agree, and I think on the floor he's been huge for Halliburton and Matherin and those guys. So too much is not on their plate. Of course, having said all that, you know the Pacers have got to make sure that they remember the big picture of this season because that is the most important thing. And then you know his situation is much, much different than Turner. He's under contract past this year. Turner, it comes more down to will you sign an extension here. Or not. So we'll get with that, uh, or we'll get to that with Tony Heas coming up around nine o'clock. Um, you guys want to laugh?
3: Do we oh, want to yeah. laugh? <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay. The Colts can
1: still make the playoffs. Yeah. Okay.
5: No. Okay.
1: That didn't make me laugh. It made me.
2: That makes me cry. Actually. Yeah. That's absurd. Right? How wild is that? If they would have been in. Any other division in the AFC, they would have been eliminated before last game. Yet, they can still make the playoffs. And honestly, when you say it out loud, it's not like there's 1,300 things that they need to go their way.
1: They need, well, what all has to go their way? They need a win out.
2: Okay. Chargers at Giants, Texans. They need the Titans, losers of four straight, to lose out. Okay. The Titans have the Texans. Jacksonville's got a factor in here somewhere, right? The Cowboys and at Jags to finish the year. So that's the Titans slate. They'll be underdogs seemingly in two of those three. You need the Jags to lose two of three. So you need Jacksonville to win that season finale against Tennessee. Jacksonville plays Thursday night against the Jets in New York, I guess in New Jersey technically. Uh, they need Jacksonville to lose that one, and they need Jacksonville to lose at the Texans Next week. Again, the likelihood of this happening is beyond minuscule. But it's just such a sad, sad state to think that at 4-9-1, you're still alive. And yet, there's no chance you win this division.
1: Uh, Here's the thing.
2: And the division is sitting there, asking. Someone saying, please take the AFC South. Anybody. Anybody.
1: There There is just no value. Am I correct in saying there's no value... If that were to all happen, what possible
2: good comes out of the Pacers or excuse me the Colts going to the playoffs? Ah uh, yeah. I mean outside of 3 hours of bliss for fans that want to be <laughs> at a home playoff game for the first time in 8 years, there's zero long-term benefit. Zero long-term benefit. It's just, I just I can't believe a team that is currently 6th in the draft position still has a chance to win their division. Not make the wild card, win their division and host a home playoff game. Having said all that, the Colts can be eliminated Thursday night if Jacksonville beats New York. i tell you what. I know we, we... I'm not trying
1: to make too much out of it, but I'm not saying Jacksonville are world beaters, but... When you look at the Jags right now, Kevin, I I think the automatic stereotype in your mind, of course, is like, oh, the Jaguars, really? But it's a different Jaguar team than
2: September, right? Are you taking Jacksonville to win the division right now? I, I think you've... Six and eight, again, at the Jets, at the Texans. They've already beat Tennessee once. They'll play them to end the year in, in Jacksonville. Team? Okay, Hostile environment with the pool. <laughs> Tennessee is at seven and seven, so they're currently a game up. They have the Texans at home, the Cowboys. I believe that's Thursday Night Football next week, and then at Jags to no, end the year.
1: I, I think numerically and statistically, like on the law of averages, you'd say Tennessee will win the division, right? Because Tennessee Don't you should. Think
2: Jacksonville's got the easier schedule.
1: Well, it comes down to this. Who do you think wins head to head between Jacksonville right. and Tennessee? That's a huge huge part of it. And if a game like that, although, you know, a year ago Jacksonville won a game to end the year that nobody thought they'd win, I you know, um wouldn't it be it would be fitting of the AFC South to have Jacksonville win the division by going on a 7 game win streak, get into the playoffs, host a playoff game and get blown off the field? Hmm. That would be befitting of the AFC South, right?
3: If you want to bet a futures bet, you can get the Jaguars at plus 120 to win the division. What can you get the Colts? <laughs> plus 14,000. So for $1, you win 140.
1: one with
3: it. Yeah, if you're betting the Colts to win the division, yeah. Somebody got the Jaguars to win the division at plus 800 like halfway through the season. I'm like, that's... That's solid.
2: You see, uh, Frank Reich fired off a text to Kirk Cousins on Saturday.
1: I did hear about that, and I didn't read the specifics of it. What did he? Say? Did he just say like, "Hey"? I didn't. He say something like, "Being the quarterback of the largest comeback in NFL history, like, has has served me well" or something like that. Yeah,
2: it was a really introspective thought from Frank Reich. I guess it makes sense. Basically, Frank said that you know he's been fortunate to to do a lot of speaking engagements throughout the years, and basically he's introduced every time as the person that has led the greatest comeback in NFL history. Um, He thinks it's afforded him some opportunities, this and that. Uh, Peter King had this in his Monday morning quarterback column. uh, Frank Reich's text to Kirk Cousins. Kirk, for 30 years, that moment has given me an opportunity to share many things about football and life. Tell people about my faith, and now the torch has been passed to you.
1: I mean, that's cool.
2: Kirk Cousins seemed to be pretty appreciative of that, Reich. I guess. And Coach, I know.
1: thanks for leaving a
2: team that sucked, Kirk. <laughs> is that <what> he's <laughs> Thank saying? you for affording the opportunity for <laughs> That's that. That's right. Uh, Frank was unpacking some boxes down in the North Carolina area. Caught up with Mike Chappell to talk more about it, and basically said he looked up at the TV, and you know, I guess in a way, this is probably kind of how the seventy-two Dolphins feel at times when undefeated teams are playing, or you know, maybe how. The seventy-six Hoosiers look at Purdue right now, and some of the other undefeateds in college basketball. Frank Reich says he finds himself always paying attention to games when he sees a lead of thirty-two points or more. Really, because then his record is in jeopardy, right? And it, and it didn't sound—I don't know—it didn't really come off as like so much ego-based. Um, I know it probably does sound like that. I, I didn't get that impression. And knowing Frank, I, I don't certainly don't get that. But I think it's more just like a curiosity of like, oh wow, is this finally going to come off my resume? Um, and so that's where he found himself watching on Saturday afternoon. There, um, what year
1: was that that Frank Reich that that
2: happened? Oh boy, Oilers playoff was it ninety? Was it eighty nine or ninety one? I was going to guess ninety one, something in that early nineties. So wait a minute.
1: So was it was it a thirty two point win that held for
2: thirty two seasons?
1: It was thirty five to three. So it was a thirty two point def- differential. Was it ninety <clears throat> one? And it held for how long? mark
3: i'm you're asking me i'm not i'm not a good math person but
1: why aren't you looking it up
3: i'm looking it up but okay, i haven't found it date? Yet.
1: i haven't found it yet i'm looking how hard is this how dare you I put, okay 93 right january 3rd 1993
5: so 29 thank you jake years? for looking
1: that up so quickly no problem
2: <laughs> <laughs> what do we do on this program mark we educate and entertain. <laughs> We're not doing by either Google very searches. well. Wright said at one point during the second half, uh, Linda, his wife, asked him how he was feeling. You know, and the fact that it was happening. To well, I'm tired. We've been unpacking
1: boxes all morning and it, nobody else was here to help out with the
2: U-Haul. It was happening to the Colts. And Wright goes, I don't know. He said he still roots for the players and coaches he worked with. It's just a weird dynamic and it was weird to see the record go away. It's strange. I thought I was going to be clinging to the record and it's sort of an honor to have the record. But I'm happy it's Kirk. For what it's worth, I do think Frank appreciates that, I guess, it Kirk Cousins. Perhaps Colts? No, that Kirk Cousins is a pretty religious individual. Yeah, I get that.
1: Uh, do you think it would be ironic if Frank Reich was unloading Mayflower trucks that he used to leave Indianapolis?
2: Uh, that, that would probably have a
1: bit of irony to it. Does Frank Reich coach next year? Depends on whether he wants to be a head coach or a an assistant coach. If he wants to be a head coach, I think it might be a challenge. If, if if he wants to be a quarterback or offensive coordinator coach, I would think there are going to be plenty of opportunities, right? What
2: about right there in Carolina? Yeah, good, good point.
1: I mean, he's going to be the...
2: Wasn't he the first quarterback in the history of the Carolina Panthers?
1: I mean, he, he's going to be do you remember when Dion Branch was like inexplicably living in Indianapolis and the Colts were like in need of a receiver a couple of years ago and people were like you know Deion Branch lives here so isn't Reich's name just going to come up
2: naturally didn't they sign him for like 48 hours during the playoffs one year Deion <laughs> that's Branch? right he just coached Louisville to a bull win that's right Fenway bull Drink think Brees. He'll get some interviews say it again I think he'll get some interviews I don't yeah, know yeah and again how many openings are we going to have right I think that's a big question. I know we say that every year around this time, but it doesn't seem like there's going to be seven or eight. It seems like more four or five in that range. Again, you have Indy, you have Carolina, potentially Arizona. I feel like the Bucks could be one because Doug Let's Bulls, see about Denver. I mean, really? Yeah. Boy, it seems quick for Doug for Todd, um, Bulls. Todd Bowles. Yeah, uh, Doug
1: Bowles. Am i, I going to say. say a, a, I said Doug Bowles to help him multitask. Mean, I, yeah. Doug
3: Bowles does well, wear a, a lot of hats. <laughs>
2: Hot bowl's though, I feel like there's going to be a lot of upheaval in Tampa. Speaking of Dion Branch, Drew Brees met the media yesterday. We'll play some of that audio here coming up about his little two-week stint helping out the Purdue coaching staff as they get ready for the Citrus Bowl against LSU. Less than two weeks away, January 2nd, uh, as Purdue takes on Brian Kelly's family down there in Florida. Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, Mark Dykton on a looks to be a pretty nice Tuesday morning here in Indianapolis. Thanks for tuning in to Kevin and Corey.
0: The Morning Checkdown. Brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
2: The real Lambeau weather night last night for the Green Bay Packers hosting the Los Angeles Rams, twenty-four to twelve. The Packers defeat the Rams. They're they're lurking Green Bay. Like who? Who's that final NFC playoff team? Ain't gonna be the Packers. Mark a little biased with that answer. What is Seattle's record? Seattle's on the outside looking in, seven right? Seven, right? The Lions are right there at seven and seven. We're going to see what happens with the Giants here down the stretch, or the Giants or the Commanders. Uh, One of those teams will be in the mix. Um, But yeah, Green Bay wins last night. A.J. Dillon, a couple touchdowns. Aaron Jones had one as well. Aaron Rodgers threw for over 220. Uh, So that means the Colts stay at sixth in the draft order. Again, if they lose Monday night to the Chargers, they will definitely move up at least one spot because two teams above them are playing. That would be the Broncos and the cardinals this weekend there's
1: like a serious traffic jam in the nfc and everybody's in an 06 honda accord right (laughs) like there's a bunch of teams that are just hanging around at like seven 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 eight wins you know nobody jumps out at
2: you yeah no nobody
3: that rams packers game last night they said was the uh for the week 15 slate was the largest deficit like largest score differential 12 points really yeah I was like, that's crazy. I
2: did see a stat that it's the closest NFL season in the history of the league. Yeah, so 12
3: points was the largest deficit. That's what
1: they
4: won.
2: Uh,
1: well. College basketball, top 25. Yesterday, coaches pull out Purdue, of course, number one. Followed by UConn, Houston, Kansas, and Arizona. Indiana in the coaches poll tumbles to number 21. They fall five spots now at eight and three. Interesting that, and I know I'm obsessed with unbeatens, but interesting there are only five unbeatens left, and two of them, uh, two of them aren't even ranked. Utah State, New Mexico. Uh, Mississippi State is 15th. They're tonight, also unblemished.
2: Tonight, IU will play a team that's been beaten often this season. That would be Elon. They are 2-10 and ten on the year. Um, certainly, this should be an easy win for the Hoosiers. But with Xavier Johnson's injury situation, it's important, I think, for point guard evaluation for IU here. Uh, as they play Elon this week, have Kennesaw State as well. Um. Again, Xavier Johnson, the update from Mike Woodson last night. We'll wait on X if he ever gets the chance to come back. But right now, we need to move forward with what we've got. If he ever gets the chance to come back. is And Coach Lingo, that does not sound good to me. No, that does not. Uh, so again, 7 o'clock tip from Assembly Hall. The Pacers back in action tomorrow night. Tough stretch coming up here on the road at Boston, at Miami. At New Orleans, Indiana's lost four of five and inability to finish games has been an issue there. Here was Tyrese Halliburton yesterday on that.
3: I look at it as we gotta win those games. Like- the whole tide of the season shifts if we, win those, if we win five of those, right? I mean, record changes, our seating changes, uh, how we feel changes, everything changes right now. So uh, we just got to be better at closing games. And that comes with experience as a unit, comes with experience for me as a point guard and as a leader, uh, how I can
2: do a better job of communicating what I want offensively, uh, the pace at which we play and continuing that through the course of the game, uh, not slowing down in the last like five, six minutes, not waiting to do that until the last like, a couple minutes or last, Minute, to, to be honest so uh, just come with experience for for me and for us as a group
1: I think one of the things they need Kevin quite frankly and this to his point comes with experience is just a clear understanding in late game situations of who the guy is who, who the ball is definitely going here you know is it Halliburton is it Matherin it's been uh, Halliburton is it healed you know so that that's the one thing I, I think that will help them out.
2: Celtics have lost four of five, uh, including two in a row to the Magic. So it's kind of an odd twist to how well the Celtics have played this season. Malcolm Brogdon's had a pretty good year for them coming off the bench. They've managed his minutes, just 23 minutes per game, but he's been, I think, exactly what they were hoping for. Obviously, health will be the concern throughout the rest of the season. All right, we come back. We can uh, play some of that Drew Brees audio again. Drew Brees going to coach or help out Purdue here in the next couple weeks as they get ready for their bowl game um, and a little bit more on the Colts conversation. Should this Jonathan Taylor injury impact contract extension for him this offseason? If Chris Ballard precedent is any indication, Jonathan Taylor is going to get some money this coming offseason um, should how his year three unfolded health-wise and a little bit on the field too. Should that impact anything? Uh, we'll chat about that coming up next. Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, Mark Dykton.
5: jamming out to something new
1: and everything in between. Looks like right now, at least, for those of you just getting up, a decent sunrise here in Indianapolis. We might actually see the sun for the second straight day, which is good. Happy holiday season to you. If Hanukkah is what you are celebrating, happy Hanukkah. I believe that we are in day two or three kwanzaa this week as well that celebration kwanzaa i believe that is correct this week so whatever it might be that you celebrate um and safe travels this week sounds like kevin's getting
2: his white christmas too maybe too much i know yeah be careful what you uh what you wish for but yeah it definitely sounds like later this week things could get dicey so i know it's a busy busy travel week for a lot of people so kevin wanted white christmas now two feet of snow is coming. are are you
3: going to chicago Mark? (laughs) yeah thursday afternoon so that'll be fun and then, what's the forecast in Chicago? Like two feet of snow. Is it really? Yeah, it's like it's like I think twelve to eighteen inches from Thursday to like Friday night. And then my my mom's like, when are, you, "When are you coming in?" I'm like, "Well, Thursday." She's like, "Why don't you wait till Friday?" I'm like, "Cause Friday's worse, mom. It doesn't look too good on Friday. Friday's no better. And then yeah, it looks like there's gonna be even more Saturday and Sunday. So yeah, I just
2: said a light dusting, but I guess be careful what you wish for.
3: Yeah, well, I'll but it's up. not
1: supposed to be so in the Indianapolis area. Is it supposed to snow significantly? I think we're supposed to get a decent amount here too on Thursday, though. Right? Not, or I mean, on Friday, not Saturday. Correct.
2: That's the forecast I saw. Yeah. Okay. Late, late Thursday, mostly on Friday. So you called it the
1: winter bomb, though. That's what's coming here. That's what Brian Wilkes called it. I think. Right. He has catchy names for everything.
2: Um. But I guess it's good news the Colts don't play till Monday from a transportation standpoint to the stadium and a, you know, get workers to the stadium. Monday night football, Colts and Chargers. Sounds like Jonathan Taylor will be shut down for the rest of the season. Jake, if you were to have a player of Taylor's career so far, three years into it, all pro within that stretch, led the league in his individual category of rushing last season. Great, great pro off the field. The injury that he is suffering through is not a torn Achilles or a torn ACL. Everything would indicate you give that guy a very nice contract extension this coming offseason. Chris Ballard precedent would indicate that. And Remember, he extended Naheem Hines uh, in a very similar time frame after that third year of his rookie contract right before the fourth season. So that means Taylor is due for a big payday this offseason. I think for several reasons, you've got to be cautious about handing Taylor that sort of contract. Um, The injury has caused him to miss time three different occasions this season. That's rare. Um, It's an ankle for a running back. Again, that's not an Achilles or an ACL, but I don't know. Maybe the Shaquille Leonard stuff kind of creates some scar tissue for me, but I think you have to have some pause there. And a couple other Taylor elements, I think just to keep an eye on, and maybe I'm being overly critical here. Uh, and it's probably a little bit of how I view the running back position. But Jake, he had some fumble issues this year that I don't think you could ignore. That was a question coming out, out of Wisconsin. And also, he doesn't really help you out on third down. And when you're a running back, the highest paid guys, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, they help you out in the passing game. Jonathan Taylor's had issues in pass protection, and he's not just this dynamic receiving threat out of the backfield. So I think for all those reasons... I would be extremely cautious in handing him the type of contract that I'd assume his representation believes he deserves.
1: I wouldn't do it. I've said that before. I wouldn't do it. I you, think he's You a, would let him walk? I would. I think he's a wonderful player. So why draft
2: him in the second round if that's going to be the plan after three years, you know?
1: Understood. It's
2: kind of a waste of a pick.
1: I think that he, I think he's been a very good player for them. But he's been a very good player. He is at a luxury, quite frankly, at a luxury because you can have that really good player, but if you don't have everything else around it, it doesn't it doesn't make a difference. As evidenced by the fact that he was the leading rusher in the league and did not allow them to get where they wanted to go, and. They've regressed, quite frankly. The fact that I would not extend Jonathan Taylor is at no fault. As a matter of fact, it's probably a credit to Jonathan Taylor because he has played to the level where he demands and you know, the amount of money that, that he would command... I just feel like the Colts are better served spending that money elsewhere. Number one, number two, I, I say that though, and I'm going to contradict myself here a little bit. I don't know that he that he gets that money elsewhere because I don't know how valued that position is. I just don't. And what he well, brings, particularly to the table. his
2: style, Jake. That's Again, what I mean. If you that, look at exactly, the highest totally paid agree. running backs, they're receiving threats. He's not necessarily Correct. that. You know, Ezekiel Elliott obviously got a big deal, but that was several years ago. Taylor falls more into that category and less in the Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara I, he's a, sort of category.
1: Kevin, and, and listen, I am well aware of the fact that people tire of hearing me do two things. Number one is say the word listen, and number two is make bad analogies. I, I, I get it, but sometimes it's, it's the only way that I know to try to illustrate something. To me, the... The the Colts are like a house that they're getting ready to put on the market, or for that matter, a house that they're just simply trying to make a, able to move into. And the areas of need are, you know, the exterior shingles, one of the bathroom pipes, and the furnace. Very critical pieces still need to be addressed. Jonathan Taylor is the really nice deck with a hot tub out back. It's a wonderful luxury to have, but if you have to start fixing things, it's the last one that that realistically you would look at because your money needs to go elsewhere. For the Colts, I just feel like there are too many issues that they have that they have not addressed. A quarterback being first and foremost, and then offensive line clearly still needs help, and... You know, linebacker, which is a position that I think is devalued a little bit in terms of like the the old traditional, like I've got a Jack Lambert in the middle type linebacker, but Shaquille Leonard's been a very good player. But he hadn't played all year, and and I don't know that there's a guarantee that he ever returns to the form that we saw. There are just too many areas to me. Jonathan Taylor's a wonderful, wonderful player, but they they wrote him to a lot of highlights and a great win in New England and, and other such things, but I think that priced him out of what they then should be willing to spend to retain him. Christian yeah.
3: McCaffrey, sixteen million dollars.
2: That's the highest paid, right?
3: Yeah. Ezekiel Elliott, Alvin Kamara, fifteen million. Dalvin Cook, twelve point six. Derrick Henry, twelve point five. Nick Chubb, twelve point two. Aaron Jones, twelve million. That's like what you're looking at for like a new Jonathan Taylor contract.
2: And, and again, I. And I've said this for several years now. I would not be drafting a running back till day three. That would be kind of my philosophy. Yeah, if, I totally agree. I, it's I, the most beca- fungible position in the NFL. Because when you draft guys round one, two, or three, what you're saying is, we think you are a pillar player. We think we want you here for six to eight years, at least. Um, that's the goal. And Jake, to your point, if Jonathan Taylor played any other position and he had the career that he's had so far, you would say extend him. But he just plays that one position where there's a hesitancy to... And again, we're talking about a guy that didn't tear his Achilles like Marlon Mack did at the end of his rookie deal. Um, So I'm very curious to see how Chris Ballard will handle that because Ballard is long... Assuming Ballard's still here. uh, Ballard has long said, um, position value doesn't matter money-wise. You pay good players no matter where they play. What are the three big... um, Well, they've only had four, but... What
1: were the most impressive Colts performances this year?
2: Well, definitely Jacksonville at home. Easily the best offensive effort of the year. Okay. Um, I I would say Kansas City got a lot of help, but certainly your defense is outstanding. Okay, against Kansas
1: City, Jonathan Taylor had 71 yards, right? Uh, And that
2: Jacksonville, did he play in the Jacksonville game? They won two games without him. Yeah. I'm trying to think which ones. Was it Denver they they won without him and Jacksonville? Does that sound right? Is that when they went up, up tempo? Yeah, and they... You can look at it two ways, Jake. They were 2-1 without him. They
1: got 42 yards out of Deion Jackson when they beat Jacksonville.
2: Now, to be fair, they also had their worst offensive performance in the history of the Indianapolis Colts against New England when he didn't play. Right. So, you can look at it both ways. Um, Again, I do think it's the most replaceable position on a team. But Again, super curious to see how, assuming Ballard is here, how he handles Taylor and how he handles Pittman and those contract extensions because those are two guys that if Ballard follows his past precedent, whether it was Darius Leonard, whether it was Braden Smith, whether it was Naheem Hines, if you perform well on that rookie deal, this is the offseason. This upcoming offseason is when those guys get contract extensions. Boy, gosh, it does look like another nice morning here.
1: If you had a young quarterback next year, which would you rather have for them to help acclimate them to the NFL, Jonathan Taylor behind him or Michael Pittman to throw to? Yeah, probably Pittman. I mean, that's something else to consider, right?
2: Yeah, and again, so much of that is more to do with just the position that guy plays. I know Pittman has had some frustrating moments this season, he definitely has. I also think, just again, how much does the lack of support around a Taylor and or a Pittman, has that impacted their seasons? Like If you look at Taylor's numbers, his yards per carry down a full yard, um, his yards per game is down like 30 yards. It's not like his carries have dwindled that much this season. Um, How much of that is a byproduct of the Colts can't throw the ball from me to Mark? Yeah, I mean, I, I... And I'm curious if Matt Ryan will get benched this week. Jeff Saturday, extremely noncommittal earlier this week. It feels like that could happen. I think we could see, I think there's a chance we see Nick Foles Monday night. Does Matt
1: Ryan, is there a team in the league that would take him next year? This has to be it, right? Are the Colts the only team in the NFL, because of the fact that they signed him, that would be dumb enough to roll out Matt Ryan next year?
2: Yeah, you would hope not, but again, the NFL, what, we see Brett Rippin starting? Is that who you're saying coming Mm -hmm. up on Sunday? But with that financial tag, no way. Yeah. No way. Uh, Greg Rangstar joins us next here. Kevin and Corey. It's
5: great. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at K-I-S-Q-A-L-I com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
2: Greg Shaw's theme music? Should be, if it isn't. has a feel to it. Uh, Greg Rangshaw joins us now. Again, no show on Friday, so... Uh, Rake, very nicely obliged to move up a little bit earlier in the week. Rake, I, I know we get into hyperbole with sporting events a lot, but your expertise we'll rely on here. It seemed like that World Cup will go down as one of the greatest ever, if not the greatest, when you think of the teams, the individual players, and the match living up to all of it.
6: I would agree in terms of finals are concerned, and the entirety of the World Cup uh, was was pretty well played. Uh, and we knew when we got France and Argentina, you know, the storylines were, were pretty rich. And you have Kylian Mbappe doing what he did for France in a losing effort, as kind of the next generation superstar. Uh, and, and you know, I, I feel the voice of, like, John Facenda, like, one for the master. Like, that was the last thing that Lionel Messi had to accomplish in his career mm-hmm. uh, in terms of, you know, doesn't really he was going to be great regardless of it, but it just checks off that career box for him. And the amount of non-soccer people that say, man, I, I couldn't take my eyes off that World Cup final, that's one of the best things to happen for this sport in this country. Knowing the next time that that happens on that stage, will be played right in the United States in July of 2026.
2: I'm, I'm a compliment th- of like I didn't want that game to end. You know, that's like <laughs> I, I feel like <laughs> right. the ultimate compliment you give a sport event. I did have one more on the World Cup front. Um, it's coming here in 2026. The next Men's World Cup here, a little bit of Mexico, a little bit of Canada. Were we ever thought to be a potential? to host a game here in Indianapolis. Obviously, we are used to hosting anything and everything, but was there any kind of serious thought either from our city or from whoever decides those venues that Indy could have been one of the United
6: States hosting sites? No, because we can't we we can't properly do grass. And and I mean, there was the one professional level match that was played August 1st, 2013 of of Inter Milan and Chelsea, the exhibition. Obviously, the Indy 11 played there, but played on turf, you know, for three years. But when that Chelsea-Inter Milan match took place, they brought in sod, and it it just didn't stick well. There's no way, you know, now you've got a stadium like, um, you know, the one in Phoenix or Glendale that can play on turf, but you can slide in the grass as well. Uh, And because those matches have to be played on grass, there's no true way to do that at Lucas Oil Stadium. So I think that pretty much knocked us out from the early stages.
1: Here's my dumb guy soccer question of the day. Um, Mbappe plays professionally in Paris, correct? Correct. When I think of top... And I, I, I get that each nation has their own league and then they do the Euro Cup. I mean, I get it. But when I think of the top soccer clubs in Europe, Obviously, you know, I know that Barcelona has a great team. Real Madrid is great. But I think of like Spain, England. I don't think of the French league as being as premier in terms of the international eyes and attention as like the English leagues or Spanish. Am I dumb in saying, am I dumb in asking if he will eventually leave France? And I don't mean the country, but to play professionally in one of those teams.
6: No, you're you're you're, no, you're more soccer novel than you let on uh, by that. Uh, he plays for PSG, which is the Nouveau Riche club uh, in 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 Paris, and the French league would be the fifth best league of the European leagues. I would probably rate it: England one, Bundesliga Germany two, um, Serie A the Italian league three, La Liga the Spanish league four, and then League One the French league would be fifth, but. PSG is as well-funded as, as any team on the planet. They're the team that has spent money on Neymar and spent money to get Messi at the tail end of his career and, and, and spent money to get Kylian Mbappe. So, you know, he, does he play in the best league? No. Does he play on one of the best teams? Yes. And it's PSG's goal every year to go out and win the Champions League? Yes. And they just haven't done it yet. Um, and so... Could he end up at a Barca or Real Madrid or an English superpower at some point in time? Absolutely, he could. But in terms of the team he plays for now, um, there's nobody that's more well-funded than PSG is.
2: Kenny's okay, great, Greg Shaw, ISC Sports Network. He was in this studio on Saturday afternoon, Col- uh, Colts post-game show host. I. Was thinking about your rake on Saturday, uh, but I thought to myself as the game continued to spill in, I swear it went to five o'clock. Maybe I was imagining things. You probably didn't have time for a whole lot of calls, right?
6: That is correct. So um, when the game goes to overtime, uh, I, my show gets very compressed. You are spot on on your timing. That was a long game end in regulation. Uh, if that game ended in regulation, we would have started at about four thirty, 430, four thirty-five, and it would have been a, a bit of a, of a more compacted show. We would have taken breaks every kind of eight or nine minutes. I didn't get it until five ten, and I had nine commercial breaks to get in between five ten and six o'clock. And we always try to make sure we hit our network out on time to get it back to our you know local affiliates. Well, that was even especially the case on Saturday because I'm sure we had several stations that were going from our game to the Purdue game, or we're going from our game to their local high school game that night. And so I I think I got it back to him at 6.03. So even then, I couldn't hit that number of breaks in that amount of time. But no, we did not take a single telephone call until 6 o'clock in the local hour because there simply were too many spots I had to make up.
2: Yeah, I was saying yesterday, the season to me has turned from extremely disappointing to I think the most embarrassing in Jim Irsay's ownership. Um, I had a question asked yesterday, and... I'm almost i I'm not asking you to debate the answer. It, to me, it's more of a reflection of where you're at as a franchise. The question was, what's the more embarrassing loss that this franchise has suffered in the last calendar year? What happened on Sun, or uh, Saturday in Minnesota, or what happened in Jacksonville to end last year? And again, debating that question is not the path I want to go down. It's more of, if you're Jim Mercer, Rake, the fact that that question's even being asked, what does that say about where you're at as a franchise right now?
6: That's a pretty good perspective to have. Uh, to answer your question, it would be the Jacksonville game because you had so much more at stake. Um, nothing is going to make you feel good about Saturday or, or make it more palatable. But it is easier to kind of put that in the rearview mirror despite the historic nature of it because this team wasn't going to be a playoff team anyway. And I know that mathematically they're still alive. I know the scenario that exists that could lead them to the AFC South championship. I don't think that's going to happen. Didn't think that was going to happen before the Minnesota game, regardless of what was going to happen. But the fact that you could even have that discussion or debate, and those two things happen within 365 days of each other, it's not a good place for this franchise to be in right now. That's for sure.
1: Greg, what frustrates me, there have been years Where you can look at a disappointing season and say, you know, it just was at no fault of theirs. Guys got hurt in fluke ways. The schedule was weird. They had this situation with weather where they got diverted. You know, whatever. Um, To me this year, and I want you to tell me if I'm being too critical. Virtually everything that's happened with the Colts, sparing maybe the Shaquille Leonard absence, but virtually everything that's happened with them has been self-inflicted.
6: Yeah, no, I get it. There, there there, there are no of those qualifiers this year. Uh, and even with Shaquille Leonard's injury and with Jonathan Taylor's couple of injury stints, this is a team that has been largely healthy. Um, the schedule has not been easy, but it has not been overly tough. I, I haven't even looked at the strength of schedule rating for the Colts. I imagine it's somewhere in the middle uh, of, of the National Football League in terms of their... You know, caliber of opponents, and again, you play in a division where the team that's in first place—I don't think they've won in a month—and you're still two and a half games out with with three games left to play. So, no, that there are no mitigating factors here. There are no extenuating circumstances here. Um, they've not just been complicit in their own demise; they seemingly have engineered their own demise so yet again your point is well made and well taken
1: uh shaquille leonard jonathan taylor the one that is more easily replaceable by those currently on the roster would be which and we've had pretty good body of evidence with both um if you had to pick one or the other that you would lock in who would it be
6: I'd probably lock in Jonathan Taylor just because of the injury history of Shaquille Leonard. Right. And again, basically, Shaquille Leonard is is largely locked in with his contract status. I think it is easier to replace a running back than as a linebacker. Um, although, given how little Shaquille has played this year and how typically solid um, Zaire Franklin, Bobby O'Carrike, EJ Speed have been, I would say history would say it would be easier to replace Shaquille Leonard um, so there's a couple of mitigating factors and circumstances in there. Um, but, but I think I would pick Shaquille Leonard just because of our, you know, that's the guy that, that history has shown you could replace um, just because again, uh, so there's some mitigating circumstances. There.
2: Yeah, that injury is just so awkward and has, you know, lingered for several years. I am curious to see if EJ Speed gets a starting opportunity in free agency. You feel like that guy makes plays every time he's out there. Again, Greg Rakestraw is with us, ISC Sports Network. Uh, interested to hear Rake's kind of Christmas plans around the basketball um, <laughs> season. I have a feeling some Hall of Fame classic could be on his schedule. We'll get to that in just a second. Um Rake, if you're Jeff Saturday, you get back on the practice field tomorrow. Is Matt Ryan still your starting quarterback?
6: Uh, It wouldn't be for me, but I would have made that determination last week uh, and and gone to Sam Ellinger, and they did not. So, again, uh, I said this numerous times on on, on numerous shows. Once you got past the bye week at 4-8-1, it would have been, let's play the young guys. That's not tanking. That is wanting to see exactly what is on your roster, what you got, and that applies to Sam Ellinger, Mike Strawn. I know Mike was, was concussed in practice last week and, and and you know couldn't couldn't play. But Desmond Papp Nick Cross, Bernard Ryman, who obviously is playing, yeah, uh, Diallo Dangbo, who obviously is playing as well. But I want to see those first and second year guys, and I know I'm going to have in a contract for some time. I want to know exactly what I've got, so I know exactly what my free agent needs are and exactly what my draft needs are. Uh, and so it w- it would have been Ellinger if it were me last week. And because it wasn't him last week, I'm not sure it's going to be him this week either.
1: Greg, you did, what, three preseason games? They only played three this year, didn't they? Or did they do four? That
6: is correct. Yes, sir.
1: So you did three of them on TV. You have now done, what, 14 regular season post-game shows? Mm-hmm. What name would you say that you called the most that most – a year ago would have surprised you to say I talked about that guy far more in a positive way I mean in other words who is the guy that in a year where we have been so negative about the Colts that you would say kudos to him he really has answered the bell and played well for them
6: you know the, the guy that, that I would say you know you notice something was there during the preseason and it is translated is Dallas Flowers um, you know, Dallas was very much an extra piece. Uh, and, and when you have a 90-man roster, you know, you've got that. You've got guys take flyers on. Dallas was a guy that played at the Division Two and NAI level. And I simply remember the play he made on intercepting a two-point conversion in Buffalo in the second half, in the first preseason. And I go, huh, interesting. And, and as I'm doing my research on him for further games, You go, okay, guys Returned multiple kicks for touchdowns during his college days. You know, there's something there. And obviously, he has popped on special teams. He got some more reps as a cornerback last week. So, to answer that question, Dallas Flowers' name is the first one that comes to mind.
1: Kevin, who was on Dallas Flowers early? Who was the guy? You that were all said, about the
2: gorillas of Pittsburgh. I'm save. telling
1: you, this is the guy that they need to put on the roster because he's going to make plays when his number's called. Who said I'm, I'm, that I'm back in my oh. by, by the
6: reaction that Jake is having, that Mark Dykman was that person, right? Yeah, you <laughs> got it. You, you,
2: you, you've <laughs> you never know. heard Jake try to get that ego even bigger than it already is, right? I Cavie? strain my
1: shoulder muscles on the regular, patting myself on the back, and I will do it again.
2: I do think Isaiah Rogers and Flowers both have been big sparks On that special teams unit Bubba Ventrone continues to impress with that group um, Rick, do you want to end with a little bit of basketball um,
6: Give me the pronunciation of the
2: Kokomo kid Flory Badunga
6: Flory Badunga We went with Badunga last year okay. And Flory, English is his fourth best language He's very fluent at that too uh, he said next, nice. actually Badunga. So and I finally had to call one of his games tonight. So those who are Comcast subscribers, see it on Comcast 81, it's a free stream Network.com, our Twitter, our YouTube. Uh, Jake was like at the same place you would find query and Schultz. On That's right. ISC. Um, we'll have Kokomo and Zionsville. should be a great game. I like Florida will have a, a good you know, uh, combatant tonight in Nick Rehart, Six nine Center, who's going to play at Charlotte next year kind of a a true old-school post player. Uh, Flory was very impressive. Did not have the same offensive night he has been having against Carmel, but had the same defensive night uh, against Carmel. Uh, Flory's averaging 20 points a game, 13.5 boards a game, which is second-best in the state, but here's the the jaw-dropping stat. He is averaging 5.9 blocks per game, which is number one in the state of Indiana. And he's Um, a junior, is that right? He is a junior, yes, and 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 Kokomo is is filling that gym, which is oh, incredible. the atmospheres
1: look awesome. I mean, Tom yeah. Izzo was at the Kokomo girls' game last week, right?
6: <laughs> because they play Friday night boy-girl doubleheaders, so yes, he had to he had to get there for the girls' game at six o'clock as well. I have been told that that uh, John Calipari could be at tonight's game, uh, and so we'll we'll see if that plays out.
1: Doesn't he have a connection? it's flory badunga right is how you say his last name badunga. Dunga. Badunga, sorry flory badunga doesn't he have I, I don't know where i heard this maybe it's complete hyperbole i don't know he has a like a familial or like a sponsor connection to
6: the university of cincinnati right that is correct so so flory is is you know has a connection to the adams family go ahead and make your joke snap your fingers jake go ahead that's right uh but the, the 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 Adams family that is very well connected into AAU circles uh and so yes there is a connection there so anybody that knows the Adams group from AAU uh has a connection to Flory Badunga it's part of it again his play is the main reason why every school in the nation wants him but so many folks in the in the in the college basketball circles have dealt with a member of the Adams family in terms of whether it's coaching, recruiting, et cetera. So Flory is, is is in with a well-connected group. Let's put it that way.
2: Yeah, I mean, the story's pretty remarkable how he got to Kokomo. Seems like a really good kid. Rake, you, you watch these highlights. Boy, it's not full-on Greg Oden, but it's like a notch below. I mean, some of the highlights, it's like this kid's just playing a different game than everybody else out on the floor from an athleticism standpoint.
6: Correct. And again, he's about three inches shorter than Greg. Right. He's listed at ten in the program. A lot of recruiting folks think he's really about six foot nine, But that's more than tall enough, the way the game is played these days. And the amount of ground he can cover in a short amount of time um, and the way that his teammates simply know, hey, we get do a fast break scenario or we gonna do a half court, throw it up to the rim, Flory's the guy that is going to go get it. Um, that's that's pretty jaw dropping to watch.
2: Ryan goes. What's crazy about Floyd is against McCutcheon? He had zero blocks because they didn't shoot within eight feet because they wouldn't challenge right. him, and he's still averaging six blocks per game. And that
6: and and, and again, I, I saw a little Twitter feed, feedback because the first game we did of of Kokomo's, and we were ended up doing a bunch of them in December. So we're going to do their holiday tournament next week as well. Um, you know, it, it says, "Hey, look, he's doing it against." Well he put up some pretty impressive numbers against Zane Dowdy and Ben Davis in the number one team in the state. And that game was December the 3rd. And that's why I point out that this game tonight, you know, Zionsville is a good team. Uh, they're 5-3. and They're a lot all the other, you know, kind of top 10 teams. Zionsville has two Division one starters. You know, Logan Ives is going to play at Penn State for Micah Shrewsbury. The Rehart kids are going to play at Charlotte. Zionsville are really deep, but they do have some size, that, again, this will be a, a, a somewhat like-for-like like comparison. And so if Flory puts up big numbers tonight, he's doing so against a guy that's going to like a, a Division I top 100-level program. So uh, tonight will be a good litmus test for him, and I have no doubt he'll pass it.
2: Rick, besides tonight, uh, what's on your agenda here coming up the next couple of weeks?
6: So Ben Davis and Lawrence Central tomorrow night. Uh, that's kind of our final pre-Christmas game. And then I go into hibernation for about four and a half days. Then from an ISC perspective, we will produce 29 games uh, between Tuesday and Friday. I will be on the call of 12 of them. So we have uh, one-off games, so to speak, against uh, Cathedral and Warren Central next Tuesday, Anderson and Cardinal next Wednesday. But we'll also have the Paul Logan Classic. There you go, Jake. Uh, Hello, Paul and Thursday from North Central. I do too. Uh, then we'll have the Hall of Fame Classic, as Kevin pointed out, on Thursday and Friday, and then the Paul uh, the Phil Cox Memorial Tournament up in Kokomo. We'll have nine of those games next Thursday and Friday, and local teams involved in that include Kokomo, Aaron Catholic, Warren Central, Center Grove, and Brownsburg. Hey,
1: Greg, since you mentioned Energizer Paul Logan. Bunny, Rake Straw. That's right. Since you mentioned Paul Logan, and I have told this story before, but I want to repeat it because I I, I want to repeat it virtually anytime his name comes up. Paul Logan, who was one of the very first um, COVID casualties when COVID first kind of hit, um, it was the athletic director, beloved athletic director at North Central High School. He was an assistant football coach when I was in high school and was absolutely like just one of those guys that would do anything for any kid. Yep. And I don't know, you know, maybe more has been made of this sense. But I don't know that a lot of people realize this. When Paul Logan got COVID and ultimately, you know, passed from it, there was speculation or medical theory that perhaps his complications with COVID was complicated by the fact that in the early 90s, and I want to say 93 there was a fire at North Central High School in the gymnasium area that started with wrestling mats, and a student had started it, and it kind of went from there. And as everybody was out standing there, and the fire trucks were rolling in, and everybody did the fire drill, Paul Logan went back into the school. And he went back into the school because he realized that there might have been special needs kids who were in a separate classroom that had mobility issues that he was worried would not have been able to get out. So he went back in under very adverse and terrible conditions to make sure that those kids all got out. And I I believe they had already all been removed. But the fact that he went in there and put his own life on the line to go in and ultimately had smoke inhalation that caused him a lot of lung problems at that time Says everything that you need to know about a guy that did everything he could in any situation for the betterment of kids and every single kid, and he was the one that thought about every kid across the board and
6: did whatever he could. And I would say, Jake, the crazy thing is that's one of many stories you know for Paul. Not, not there's none that are better to that level or extreme or a life threatening scenario like you're potentially talking about. But that is the quintessential Paul Logan story, and there are thousands of people that went through North Central or hundreds of coaches because of Paul's work with the Indiana Football Coaches Association that would tell a variation of a story like that about how Paul helped them, which is why that was such a tragic loss, two and a half years.
1: I recall... Um, back when Derek and I did a show together, we had a guy that used to call in all the time named Nick Coleman, and he would always say everything, and he was a, he became a beloved caller of our program, and Nick would always say something was varsity. You know, we'd talk about anything, and say, buddy, they are varsity. Well, Nick uh, got ill and, and got cancer, and when he went into hospice, I thought, you know what, we got to get him a varsity jacket. I mean, he's varsity, right? Nick is varsity. And then I thought, wait a minute, his initials are N.C., Right. And I called Paul Logan, because he was the athletic director, and I said, Paul, I don't know if you, if this is even possible, But and I explained the situation, and I said, how hard would it be for me to buy an NC varsity jacket that we could give to Nick? And Paul Logan said, where are you right now? I said, well, I'm at home. And he said, how far do you live from North Central? I said, well, like 10 minutes. And he said, okay, I'll meet you there in 15 minutes. Right. He wouldn't take my money. I mean, the guy was... He was a larger-than-life personality with a larger-than-life heart. And so uh, I appreciate you bringing him up today so we can talk about him, Greg. Because people today getting set for the holiday season, if you can do a little something for people over the holiday season that exemplifies the life Paul Logan lived, then it'll be a happy holiday for everybody.
6: The other thing I'll point out, and I know we're up against it time-wise, the other thing I'll point out is that the family was asked, hey, what's the proper tribute for Paul? do Do you want to put his name on the football stadium? Uh, and, or the, the other alternative was, you know, the new field house, you know, that is going in and the family quickly said the field house, because Paul didn't just care about football. He cared about every student, every athlete at North central. And so that way his legacy lives on in terms of not just the football program, but every, every part of athletics in North central, that's where Paul Logan's memory properly belongs.
1: Yeah, he was the best, man. He was the best. Some awesome stories. Uh, Greg, enjoy the hibernation when you're Rake. able to
6: do it, right? You got it. I'll, I, you know, for me, a four-and-a-half-day break is, is like a month for others, so I'm looking forward to uh, going into hiding as of uh, late Wednesday night. So,
2: Greg, happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you and the fam. Same, fellas. Take care. That's a great Greg Rakestraw right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. Flory Badunga, by the way, his, his the highlights that I've seen of
1: him, which are, are – Fewer, you know, just a few. But he reminds me of DeAndre Ayton. You know, DeAndre Ayton Ayton, is a big athletic guy that can score, but he has a defensive presence
2: that is very intimidating. I was saying to somebody, what I have seen is a guy at that size, you don't see move like that. Yeah. I mean, his movement ability. He moves like a guard, and you just don't see that. And again, he's still extremely raw, uh, does not have a large amount of basketball background. Uh, yeah, Tom Izzo and John Calipari aren't coming to your games just for nothing there. So, um, sounds like a star at Kokomo. Again, just a junior there. And the atmospheres look awesome in a great arena and a school that's had rich basketball history in this state. Tony he's going to join us around 9 o'clock talk a little bit more about the Pacers. Uh, for now, let's do a morning check down.
0: The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
1: Uh, We'll begin in the NBA and the association last night. Winners, Cleveland, Philly, Atlanta, San Antonio. By the way, I want to do a Romeo Langford check. How many do you think he had last night? 124-105, Spurs over the Rockets. How many for Romeo Langford? Wasn't he starting to play a little better? He he has been playing, yes. Um, And he's been getting... I would say Romeo Langford's minutes in San Antonio and his contribution, pretty similar to, say, Aaron Neesmith for the Pacers. Like around... he also
2: has had a, some better stretches here. Niesmith's going to see his former team coming up tomorrow night.
1: Uh, Romeo Langford last night, by the way, 19 minutes played. He was 2-2 two two from the floor, 1-1 from three-point range, uh, six points. He's had a
2: couple double-figure games, if I'm not mistaken, here earlier this month. Uh, we get Pacers-Celtics tomorrow night. That'll be a seven thirty tip for the Pacers. They have lost 4-5. Ironically, Boston has lost 4-5. So the Pacers get back into action tomorrow night. Jake, tonight down at Assembly Hall, it's going to be Indiana versus Elon. Again, I know these games kind of get laughed off the schedule. Elon and Kennesaw State. I think this is a really critical week or so for Mike Woodson to try and find out what point guard's going to look like the rest of the season.
1: Do you know what kind of cologne uh, the players
2: at Elon wear? Mark? I'm afraid to ask. <laughs> That'd be Musk, of course. In my opinion, that sucked. Might have been the quickest Mora button push of all time. <laughs> well, I knew it was coming. I, I, Do you remember their two wins this season?
1: Uh, Elon, yeah, they they beat uh, Johnson and Wales, right? Isn't that right? Yeah, Boris. Um, and then Lipscomb, was that right? Uh, close. Bryant? Carl who? Nix. Erskine? Boom. Where is Erskine College? Do we know? now th- manitoga was it, was it actually carl erskine they beat because he's in his 90s now so i would think mobility lateral quickness probably not as strong
3: due west south carolina what's that that's what's called that's the town due west south carolina
1: well that's confusing as hell isn't it
3: it's to the east too which is even more <laughs> I weird
1: i'm gonna say what what <laughs> how in the world <laughs> and due west south carolina Now, what if it's on the coast it's not due west of anything, right? Other than the ocean. Uh, yeah, it's. <laughs> What's it due west of? <laughs> is it? How do you spell due west? D U E. Uh huh. Is there a space there? Space. West. Well, well, these people. This is.
2: Monday night football Southwest last night. Spartanburg, so Packers 24, okay. Rams 12. AJ Dillon a couple touchdowns. Uh, Aaron Jones got in the end zone. Aaron Rodgers over 200 yards.
0: Packers suck.
2: Uh, Mark they, they still need a lot of help, right, to get in? Yeah. Yeah, they need a lot of help. So, that's fine. Get your win against the beaten
3: Rams and then get blown out of the, get your doors blown off by the Dolphins on Christmas Day. That's fine.
2: It, is, it was a true Lambeau game last night. It was great yeah. to see just the you know, breath coming out of guys at the line of scrimmage and everything. The Rams look like uh, they wanted to be many other places than Green Bay. Looking ahead to Thursday Night Football this week, it's actually a big game for the AFC playoff picture. It's Jacksonville at the Jets. Who would have thought that at the start of the season? That's like an start important Jets Jaguars game. game. <laughs> I mean, both of those teams need that. Jacksonville, of course, trying to make a run at Tennessee. In the AFC South, they have made a great run. In uh, the Jets, struggling a little bit. And it sounds like Zach Wilson will get another start, uh, but they need a win as they try and get into that AFC Wild Card
1: <laughs> picture. It's due west of a trail. <laughs> that's what it says. When they found it, they're like, "Where is it?" And like you know that trail? It's due west of there, and that's where the town Due West came about. There you go.
2: Makes a lot of sense. Uh, now, you what's think, Erskine you think Don Fisher's going to lead off with that tonight?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, now what's Erskine College? What's their nickname? Their mascot? Well,
3: I don't know.
2: I know Elon's aren't they the Phoenix? Elon's the Phoenix, I believe so. Okay. Um, the, the flying
1: fleet. The flying fleet. Yeah, exactly. That's a pretty cool logo, actually. It's not bad. Yeah. But the, the you know where they're it's flying? Like Rocketeer. They're what? flying due west of somewhere,
2: right? Yeah. Okay.
3: Unless they're going east. <laughs> we don't have a show on Friday.
2: Is that right? Oh, Thank goodness. <laughs> Bump that up, maybe a Today, few more days. Today's a Tuesday that feels like a Wednesday. Drew Brees is coaching Purdue in the bowl game. Interim assistant coach. We'll play some audio from Drew coming up here in a bit, talking about his role there. Could this be a permanent thing? You know and, which uh, way the
1: breeze is flowing? If is he's flowing? been
2: too uh, involved on the recruiting front for Ryan Walters, who will join the show by the way, nine o'clock on Thursday.
5: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love
2: Jake, Bull season underway, and for Purdue, that means kind of a skeleton coaching staff with Jeff Brom taking the job at Louisville, and Ryan Walter's not going to be involved in the bull prep. Uh, Drew Brees, though, has come back to his alma mater, which I, I think it's a really cool thing that Brees is doing this. I think it's great for Purdue that he continues to be so fond of his alma mater and willing to... The dude's leaving Del Mar, California to be in West Lafayette this time of year. It is definitely cool. Um, Again, I don't know if it has some like crazy significant impact on the program. That's probably not true. Uh, But again, I think it's really important for Ryan Walters, who has, I don't think, any direct connection to Breeze, uh, that Drew Breeze still wants to be around the program. Um, I did think, and Mark, you might queue up that clip about Breeze and potentially if he wants to do this permanently from a coaching sense. Again, this is an interim assistant role during the bowl game. Uh, here was Drew Breeze yesterday when asked about his future in coaching. I think being a player for twenty years, uh, you know, in the NFL, that was uh, that was that was a big commitment. You know, there was a lot of time away from the family, and so uh, my my kids are at an age now where uh, you know I, I certainly want to be around. I love being around and uh want to be don't want to miss a thing with them and so uh i think the, the coaching lifestyle doesn't quite fit <laughs> where i'm at in my life right now not to not to say that that'll never be the case but uh you know it's also the reason why i didn't broadcast this year
1: you know i broadcast last year for nbc and i was gone every weekend during the football season and decided that this year you know that's that's not what i wanted to do I wanted to be with my kids coach them every friday
2: night in fna flag football and you know, be able to go to games, watch games, uh, you know, come back to Purdue, you know, just be a fan and and be able to enjoy those moments with my kids.
1: Yeah, I think it's clearly, you know, a ceremonial position, right? Um, But it's cool. And to your point, Kevin, it it doesn't hurt recruiting. You know, a lot of people would say, well, he said he's talked
2: to some recruits.
1: Yeah. And and I think what it means is this. I, I know that you know, for example, players that played at Indiana under Bob Knight, it was not uncommon or unheard of, is probably a better way of saying it, for those players to get a phone call from someone saying, Hey, such and such a player is considering playing for Coach Knight at Indiana or at Texas Tech. Like, would you be willing to call and talk to him about what it's like? And, you know, I know that when Knight was at Texas Tech, there were players that got that phone call. Some of them were surprised to get it um to call kids and so this is kind of what that is right because not only does it would it mean something to a kid right now and what is surprising i think is to go back and look at how short the window is to where for a high school kid that would have oomph it certainly would still for drew Brees and his name to call a kid but just what it represents, right? Because you would look at it if you were thinking about going to Purdue and say, hey, you know what? This place must be pretty cool if Drew Brees is wanting to come back and hang around, you know? that's So symbolically, I think it's pretty cool.
2: You know, I, I think it helps on being on the side of the ball, Jake, where the head coach doesn't have that heavy background. Um, obviously, the quarterback history of Purdue is well-documented. Uh, Breeze mentioned that he spoke with Graham Harrell the new offensive coordinator who comes from that Mike Leach coaching tree and really likes the style that Harrell's going to bring so Purdue is going to be a we're going to spread you out we're going to throw it a whole lot that is not changing at all I think that's very important for Purdue to maintain um, and again I just think it's critical that your most important alum in your football program, certainly your most important alum that's of the age range of Drew Brees, wants to be around the program. And if I'm not mistaken, he's heavily involved in their NIL stuff. Um, And I think that's just critical for Purdue to continue to have that presence be there. So again, Drew Brees, interim assistant. Purdue has several opt-outs in the bowl game. We'll see how things go. They've got to be a heavy underdog against LSU. I would assume. Speaking
1: of bowl games, there are two tonight. I'm going to tell you the the location and I want to I want to see if either one of you guys can tell me what which bowl game it is. Are you ready? Okay. We'll begin with the Oh, well, this is pretty easy. This this game takes place at Florida Atlantic University Stadium.
2: Boy, Purdue is a 14-point underdog to LSU. Are they really? Again, so many opt-outs. Yeah. Uh Florida
1: Atlantic is in
3: that's due west south carolina right <laughs>
2: it's due south i actually yeah. have been to florida atlantic stadium ironically enough that's in boca i was there for nfl owners ah, meetings.
1: you might know the name of the uh dot com what bowl boca Bull. the boca raton bowl mm. that'd be liberty against toledo and i think we should all be rooting for liberty right
2: roof claim <laughs> that seems to be probably something that would be very important in the state of florida <laughs> that is correct roofclaim.com
1: right So who do we got in that one uh, that'd be liberty in toledo okay and then you have uh in boise and this by the way false advertising Is Let it the
2: humanitarian you. bowl is that Very, still around no,
1: that isn't is is... that that's a good guess i think that was wasn't it the humanitarian bowl in idaho no, yes oh
2: on all, the blue turf
1: all kinds of people doing nice things down there uh no this is the the famous Idaho potato bowl. Thank you, Mark. The famous Idaho potato bowl. Now I will tell you that I, as I mentioned before, I when I was driving through Boise on a road trip, pulled into a Denny's at like twelve thirty night, ordered a baked potato, and they were out of them.
3: Well, that seems like sacrilege.
1: <laughs> I was like, you, "Don't you have some out back, <laughs> like growing in the backyard?" God, I used Eastern, to love baked potatoes. Did you really? Wendy's? Did you go to? Do you remember? Yeah, um, I have had one from Wendy's. Uh, I'll tell you guys the one of the areas of many where my age gap between myself and the two of you comes into play. There was about an 18-month window. Anybody that's 45 or older in their car right now is going to say to themselves, I totally remember that, Jake. I totally remember it. I was not hallucinating. In about 1983 or 4, for literally maybe 18 months, in Broad Ripple, underneath the Vogue, which later became like the basement area of CT Peppers, I was at the Vogue last week. We were—that's right for the holiday party, right? Yeah. So there's a there's a basement level down there, and the Vogue CT Peppers, that whole little quadrant, had an underground that for literally like 18 months in the mid 80s, they made a food court that was epicentered by the Great Potato Factory, and you could go and get a baked potato with literally anything you wanted on it and it was fabulous and it was awesome and that and Poppin' Fresh Pies on 65th and Keystone were all the rage for like a year and a half during the time that Supertramp was cool. I
3: think when your there's age group comes into play is when you mention George Montgomery in a text chain. I'm like, what the hell are you
2: talking about? <laughs> oh boy, we could go a lot of ways in <laughs> well. I didn't one. get that at all. <laughs> <That's> there's, pro- <laughs> there's probably a lot of things that's happened in the basement of the Vogue over the years. Oh yeah. No, you're not kidding. The now. basement of the Vogue could talk. <gasps> <laughs> that is true. You know? That is true. By the way, Eastern Michigan,
1: San Jose State, in the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. uh, That game at three thirty this afternoon on ESPN. This is the time of year. I'm telling you, like right now, when people start kind of shutting down their work week and getting set for the holidays, and and it really is a bummer to an extent that Christmas is on a Sunday. Because when Christmas is on like Thursday, and everybody punts the whole week. These bowl games are just great to have on in the background.
2: And again, the NFL schedule will adjust with Christmas on a Sunday. You'll get 11 games on Saturday, Christmas Eve. The Christmas Day slate. Mark mentioned this earlier in the week. Uh, you really got to hate your family to probably want to tune into this. <laughs> There's one good one. Again, I think Green Bay... And Miami is a nice game at 1 o'clock. Is that the one that you're referring to? Yeah, that's a good one.
3: Uh, 4.30, Broncos-Rams. Brett Rippon against (laughs) Baker Mayfield. I guess
2: if you're a Colts fan, you just need a loss in that game. You can't have a tie. As long as one of those teams loses, then you'll move up in the draft order. I guess one team would win. Uh, And then Bucks and Cardinals. Christmas Day night. Yeah, woof. Didn't Colt McCoy get hurt on Sunday, too? it's all trace mcsorley colt mccoy's
1: game. still in the league oh yeah is the humanitarian bowl no more is, is that tell you everything we need to know well, about people i feel like it's all the
2: sponsors have changed the micron pc bowl
1: well some of these are the wasabi fenway bowl now, the wasabi isn't that the stuff that if you eat too much of it your eyes it, it's like right
2: yeah is that popular in boston <laughs>
1: I don't know. I mean, it's wasabi is just like a, a a root, isn't it? Isn't that odd that they would be sponsoring a like are the wasabi planters all getting together? Am I missing something? Am
2: I putting too much stock into IU and Elon and IU and Kennesaw State this week in terms of this is a very important stretch to find out what the hell you're doing a point guard moving forward? No, I think
1: that's actually a good point because it, and especially coming off of you know.
2: Your 23 confidence. turnovers Yeah, and,
1: you know, it's it's just kind of a reset. You know what I mean? It's an important two-game opportunity to just kind of reset and find out. You know, and a guy like C.J. Gunn, for example. Find out what you got in a guy like that. And and if you've got to get some depth in the backcourt, who are the guys that are going to step up for you?
2: Again, the update on Xavier Johnson didn't sound great from Mike Woodson at all. Uh, we'll wait on X if he ever gets the chance to come back. But right now we need to move forward with what we've got. Um and Coach Speak, that definitely does not sound very good. Mentioned it yesterday, potentially. Um, I think a rumor out there that it's a broken foot, so we'll see how long he's going to miss. Jalen Huchofino, you would think, is going to get you know close to 40 minutes running the show. Is Trey Galloway going to get some run? Can Tamar Bates and or C.J. Gunn play point? Doesn't really seem to fit either of yeah, their C.J. Gunn's skill more of a shooter, sets. right? Yeah. Um, so again, Elon and Kennesaw State for the Hoosiers this week, Elon tonight. And then after that, they don't play till January 5th. So obviously you'll take a break for Christmas, but you'll get a lot of practice time. Uh, and Indiana's got to find something to point guard to stabilize things uh, moving forward. Wasabi is apparently cloud storage.
1: Oh, really? Which is one of those things, I'm like, why would they sponsor? Do you, do you have a choice where you're, what cloud you're sending your storage like, do you, can you say, like, no, I'd rather not send it
2: to that cloud. Can you send it to Wasabi, please? Now, they shared a sideline, right, at the Fenway Bowl? Yeah. Did they have to go the same direction? Which is odd, is because just you'd wriggling? think with
1: cloud storage, they would have been, I mean, if it's a cloud storage company, they should have been able to come up with some room on the sidelines, right? You would think that it's bad marketing if you are advertising and sponsoring storage that you would be sponsoring a bowl game where they only have one sideline. That, that Somebody didn't in marketing didn't think that through.
2: Do you want, like, half the team in the green monster? <laughs> yeah, like Manny Ramirez going to bathroom out there, and they're just with a cloud, out a green monster Make it it look like a cloud. We got one of the teams up here We're storing in a cloud. Maybe it, saying, <laughs> maybe
3: it was purposeful because they're saying, "See how full this is? You need more storage." Well, okay, there you go, Mark. There That's you go. That's a good PR like spin by Mark. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you consult with him? No, I should though.
1: <laughs> you know what we do on this program? <laughs> we educate and entertain.
2: <laughs> very, I saw uh, Matthew loosely. from Maine, who, by the way, sent uh, sent me a book for the kids for Christmas. Very nice gesture there. H- had a shirt that said that. Educate and entertain. Really? Yeah. Wait a minute. Matthew had a shirt. Mark, did you retweet that? And Matthew I in Maine. believe I did,
1: yeah. He must have made the two-hour drive to go to the Boston Shirt Yard and get that made, right? Maybe he was at the Wasabi Bowl. Yet another Broad Ripple or Glendale area basement location. He might have been <laughs> at the Wasabi Bowl, got the shirt out of his extra cloud, right? There you go.
2: Tony East in about 10 minutes to talk Thank goodness Mark's on it this week with these re-entries.
3: I love the song.
1: Uh, by the way, somebody sent me a thing, said Jake, the Broaderville Food Emporium with the potato factory was not in the Vogue basement. It was in the G C Murphy's basement, which is true. That's the Charlie Barney Charlie and Barney's chuck and bucks as we called it in C T Pepper's building. But it was connected, I'm telling you, like you go down underneath it and there were hallways that kinda connected all of it. That that went into you had to go through a set of doors, but it was connected,
2: I'm telling you. That um that question I threw at Greg Ragstraw, And I forget who tweeted this at me yesterday, Jake, but if someone asked me what's the more embarrassing loss for the Colts franchise, what happened on Saturday and blowing that lead, or what happened in the final game last season down in Jacksonville. Again, I don't necessarily want to debate that. If I'm Jim Mersey, and that question is being asked of my franchise, that in the last year – you have a debate on what is the more historically embarrassing loss for your franchise, and in between that, you've gotten shut out in Jacksonville again. You got outscored by 33 points on Sunday Night Football against the Cowboys, the most the NFL has seen in 97 years. Um, in New England, earlier this year, you had your fewest yards per play in the history of the Indianapolis Colts. The fact that those debates are being asked about your franchise, doesn't that tell you everything you need to know about where you're at right now? Yes. Yeah, I mean, that's... Because, again, embarrassment, Jake, is the big word that Urse brings up. Don't embarrass me. They have been embarrassed in multiple ways in the last 12 months. It, it is interesting to me. I, Particularly in big spotlights.
1: It's interesting to me that Ursay that would be as adamant in his... Standing by, and maybe he's he's just trying to to pump him up a little bit. But like, you know, Ballard and Saturday both. I mean, he was pretty effusive about both of them, but in his praise. But it's been a while, right? We haven't heard from him, so we don't know. Well, I mean, we, we do know
0: that we things did have
2: We did have Zach Keefer on yesterday, and he spoke with him after the Cowboys game, and he was public in his praise of Ballard again. Yeah. You put any stock into it? Well, I more embarrassments happened since, but look, he. To be fair, in terms of Ballard,
1: there are always little things that can take place that we don't know about. There are always little factors and and, and things that factor in that, that we just don't know about. And only Jim Mercer would know that. Maybe there are things, maybe Ballard in some ways has been scapegoat's the wrong word, but maybe there are areas where things went awry, and Ballard was the one that stood up and said, we shouldn't do it this way, and Urse said, no, I think we should do it this way, and then it went awry, and Ballard's the one that it looks ugly on, and Urse knows, you know what, I should have listened to that guy, you know, I mean, we don't know that. Um, I go back to, and I know that people misinterpreted, and I understand and respect it, misinterpreted that I meant training in the way that he deals with the media. I don't care about that at all. He can be as as rude and condescending to us as as he'd like. Our job is to talk about his job performance, so it is only fair that he would do the same to us. I that's totally fair and legitimate and warranted. But I think that that a media training for Chris Ballard would be well advised not in the way that he deals with the media, but in the way that he conducts, carries himself in his body language, in his portrayal of things so that it is as it would be seen by the fan base because at times he looks petulant and he looks petty and redundant. And I think that exacerbates the the thought process of people thinking that he's in over his head at this point, which I don't think is necessarily the case, but his body language indicates that he is.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think those internally were extremely disappointed by his body language uh, at that Monday press conference back a month and a half ago. You think so? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Without question. Yeah. Yes. I, I know that for a fact. Um, I mean, he looked like a scolded child. Sure. He looked like, I mean, he looked like Rosie Bowen when we tell her to share and she doesn't share. Right. Um, to be totally honest with you. Uh, but. And this stuff I want to bring up when Stephen Holder joins us tomorrow, Jake, because ESPN.com had this in that the NFL sending a memo around the league to owners. I think just kind of laying out the amount of money that owners have spent on firing head coaches and GMs over the years. To me, it's, and again, if you fire Ballard, you're paying Ballard for four more years. You're paying Reich already for four more years because you fired him. It's less to do with the finances and more to do with the ego. Is that too much of a hit to the ego? That you will be paying two individuals who you just extended 16 months ago for four more years? I think that's a big reason why he didn't fire Chuck Pagano the same offseason he fired Ryan Grigson. Right. No reason Chuck should have coached another year. Ballard didn't want him as his head coach, and yet, Ursay held on to Chuck for one more year. So. How awkward was that? Oh my gosh. <laughs> In
5: hindsight. So awkward. Incredibly, incredibly awkward. Um, yeah. Uh, all right, Tony...
1: Joins us next, talks some Pacers. Little Andy Williams, love it. Nine o'clock hour in Indianapolis. Jake Quarry along with Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton here as well, joining us now on the Payless Liquors Hotline to talk about the Pacers that get step, uh, get set, I should say, for a pretty critical three-game step on the road. We'll explain on that. Tony East joins us from uh, SI and Forbes Sports, of course, longtime Pacer scribe. Tony, I'll begin with this. I had mentioned that this is an important road little jaunt for the Pacers. That sounds ridiculous in December, but Kevin and I were talking about it. You know, just at a time when they're starting to slide a little bit and maybe reality's kicking in, it seems like this could be an opportunity for them to regain some confidence footing. Going to be tough sledding, though. You agree?
4: Yeah, 100%. You know, these are three tough physical playoff caliber opponents. Uh, two of them have <laughs> being near the top of their conference in Boston and New Orleans and Miami's won four games in a row. And, you know, at practice yesterday, Rick Carlisle and the players were all talking about how, for the Pacers specifically, not only is it a tough test because of who they are, but they're all physical teams. And that's something the Pacers have, you know, not necessarily been the best at, but it's a good opportunity for them to get better at squaring off against those teams, getting better at playing against that style of basketball right closer to a playoff atmosphere. And to your point about You know, them being on a slide. They haven't won two games in a row since the middle of November, right? It's been almost a month since (laughs) then. They keep slowly falling and falling and falling a little farther in the standings. They're not making up any ground, and you know it's going to be really tough to do that on a trip like this. So yeah, they are coming closer to reality, what preseason expectations, whatever term you want to use. And it's going to be. Really challenging for them to to catch up to that on this trip, but that said, they have been playing pretty well outside of clutch moments recently.
2: Yeah, it's going to be at Boston tomorrow night, at Miami Friday, and then uh, the 26th at the Pelicans there. So, very tough three-game stretch coming up on the road for the Pacers. Again, Tony East is with us. Uh, Tony, I would say outside of the defensive end of the floor last year, the biggest issue was just end-of-game situations. This team really struggled when it got to those clutch moments. We've seen that flare up here in a few recent games. What are you seeing at the end of games from this team?
4: Yeah, recently it's definitely been the defense that's the biggest problem uh, at the end of these games, ironically. So you know their their biggest issue in general felt like early in the season is the problem at the end of these games, right? And, and I think the first time you saw this was that Nets game that has kind of changed the tide of their season a little bit when they were playing the undermanned Brooklyn team and gave up, you know, twenty something points in the last four minutes. And since then, they've just really struggled to stop anybody down the stretch of games. Miami was finding a way to score when they needed it, and the Knicks scored a bunch of scored eleven points in two minutes uh, on Sunday. You know, they, they've really been struggling to stop teams when the game slows down, and for a team that takes a ton of pride in in, in running and transition and playing really fast and trying to push the ball down your throat at every opportunity it's really hard to do that when you're taking the ball out of the basket every time you're done with defense and so when the game does slow down naturally anyway they just really fall into this trap of you know they're playing slower on offense which doesn't cater to their style as much and then they're they're struggling more on defense because they're, they're not naturally a good defensive team they're taking the ball out of the basket too much teams are ran it out for these threes that the Pacers can't keep up with because their point of attack defense has been so bad. So many errors that kind of all keep piling up on each other and snowballing to be you know time of the season-y about it <laughs> and it's really killing them at the end of these games they've got to defend better. Tony
1: who are there right now who are the Pacers two best wing defenders?
4: Gosh, uh, Aaron D. Smith's got to be one of them. He's done very well in that role this year. He's uh, uh, on a roll on offense right now as well. He's really surprised me uh, with how effective he's been all season, really. Uh, you know, leapfrogging his way into a starting spot. Uh, uh, I guess if you made me answer it right now, the second one would be Chris Duarte. He was a good defensive player last season, but hasn't been the same guy on either end this year. Obviously, he missed a month and a half with that ankle injury, so it's hard to say. But, you know, neither of those guys are classic wing stoppers just they're, they're both you know six five six six so they they can't guard a bunch of size they can only guard some of the smaller wings consistently they've done a good job to slow down everybody but they don't have a ton of what you think of as wing stoppers on this team i think those are their two best options
2: what about Numhard?
4: Nembard has done a very good job. He also uh, is, is on the shorter side, and he's even a little skinnier than both of those two. And uh, I think he's done better and impressed me the most when he's defending guards, which they, they often put him on a guard recently with the cross matching, right? Like Buddy Heald is drawing wings with Nembard drawing guards in uh, a lot of recent games. So uh, not that Nembard's not a good wing defender, but I, I would put him behind the the other two guys that I said.
2: Again, Tony East joins us here, T East NBA on Twitter. Um, this is probably the healthiest the Pacers have been, maybe all season. If you look at you know how things are from Duarte being back, you know Turner missed early in the season. Um, you've had a little kind of nicks and bruises for some other guys. Um, how would you handle the rotation right now? You know, it seems like a starting lineup of Halliburton healed. Neesmith and Turner; those four seem to be kind of locked in. How would you handle that fifth starter, and then what what you're doing bench wise?
4: Yeah, this is something Carlisle's talked about all year that you, know, you have to kind of assess every game when you watch this team, and even as a player, is they have a ton of lineup fluidity that is based on their matchup, which makes it you know, really tough to exactly pin down what their best rotation is because it does depend on the opponent sometimes. But that said. Yeah, the four guys you just said have, have started a lot. Nembard has obviously been starting every game for a while, and then it gets tricky, right? It kind of depends on a lot of things. Some games they want Nembard playing a little more point guard so McConnell plays a little less. And Chris Duarte's got to play, but how much? You know, is he worth playing over Nembard or split that night? Do they want Isaiah Jackson or Jalen Smith to be their backup five, right? Isaiah Jackson just got a few DNPs. Jalen Smith is now a backup five instead of a starting four. There's a lot of factors that go into who plays and who doesn't. is going to play every game. There's no question about that. But there, there's 11 guys in the mix. you got to add in O'Shea Brissett, who just played uh, on, on Sunday against the Knicks as well. Only three minutes, though. He seems like a guy who, if they tighten up the rotation down to 10, he'll be the guy who loses out and is, is the guy out of the rotation. But it wouldn't surprise me if McConnell – lost some minutes going forward, and they, and they decided to turn to Nimbard as the backup one a little bit to try to get everyone else in there so they can get some defense on the wing and get some forwards and size on the court. But I, I think that you know the starters they've been rolling with, plus Smith, Jackson, uh, Duarte, Matherin, and, and McConnell are going to be their second unit for sure, and Bursette will sprinkle in some minutes here and there when they can. But it's tough. They've got a lot of guys who... Are worthy of minutes young and developing and for a team that is trying to develop more than anything this season you you want to play those guys so i do not envy the task for carlisle has and try to pick who he's going to play every game and i don't envy the players trying to you know figure out what to do and new lineups every game it seems like because they're playing 10 or 11 guys every night
1: you know tony for me the one thing that's been concerns the wrong word but that i've been interested by you just touched on it uh, I've been a huge proponent and fan for a while of Isaiah Jackson and the athleticism that he brings to the Pacers, but his minutes are diminishing. Is that circumstantial in terms of matchups, or are they starting to send a message to him that it's time to kick it into gear?
4: He did have a small little stretch where he was struggling, and I think for him that, you know he he goes through these stretches where he looks great. He's focused on the simple things. He's you know doing the stuff he's really good at that got him here, and then. The second he he looks like he's trying to add something to his game or work on something in the game, he looks a little less effective. And I don't I don't think it's about sending a message necessarily. Although he has gone through ways of effectiveness this season, I mostly think it's a consequence of you know the other rotation change they just made, which is, which in itself is pretty seismic. That they, they pulled Jalen Smith from the starting five, and they 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 came out and said it right when they announced that he was you know signing with the team in in early July. This is our starting power forward, and after. 27 games, Jalen Smith out of the starting five. Now, he came back into it when they played the Cavs, and the Cavs start two big men as well, and Isaiah Jackson was excellent against the Cavs, one of his best games in a while, Uh, and now he's probably going to be back in the rotation for presumably going forward. But, you know, it seems like their starting lineup going through its own changes has kind of affected Jackson's minutes and how they'll get him on the floor because now there's less minutes available for, you know, the backup back a back of big spots for Jackson to play so it's, it's hard for them to find minutes for these guys Goga has been able to play for years because they've had so many bigs on the team and now they have a ton but they just traded up to get Jackson last year to me yeah I don't I agree with you that concern isn't the right word but I feel like they have to almost get him minutes because he has this unique skill set none of the rest of their bigs have he's very switchable and mobile on defense which is so valuable in the NBA today and I, I think he's a guy you explore his growth and try to get him out there all the time because there's just no one else like him and they gave up you know some stuff to, to make sure they got him last year now they've got to actually play him on the floor this season.
1: Tony it's so funny to me I may be the last person alive that believes this but I really do think that if the opportunity was there for, on a roster somewhere where he could get regular minutes that Goga has a spot in the league and I, do, I, I I really do believe that there's a team that could take advantage of what he brings to the table and that it's not the fault of the Pacers or Gogot that just, as you mentioned, there's kind of a log jam in the way they play as well. But I think he's got some skill, quite frankly.
4: He, he showed it last year, right? Like, after the, the trade deadline when Turner was her and they traded away Sabonis and their only bigs were Smith, Tade and Jackson. And he played almost every game for the rest of the season outside of when he was dealing with an ankle injury and was was pretty effective, right? He was a good backup center for that stretch that made you think maybe he'd be in the mix this season if, you know, Turner wasn't on the team or they didn't end up keeping Jalen Smith or whatever ended up happening. I think the biggest consequence for him right now is he reads the game, the stuff he's good at, uh, naturally kind of favors a slower-paced team. And I think that uh, of his... He's not very fast, right? That's certainly one of his weaknesses of his game. And so on a Pacers team that's just flying down your throat, playing fast all the time, it's a little harder to fit him onto the team in terms of actual play style. But I agree with you that he he does read the game pretty well. He is kind of this defensive enforcer. It, It makes all the sense in the world to me why he doesn't play. On this team, but I do think there is our other teams, excuse me, where he could play or be at least you know their backup center in their rotation.
2: Again, it's Tony East, T East NBA on Twitter. Tony does an outstanding job covering the Pacers for Sports Illustrated and several other outlets. Uh, Tony, do you think the organization's opinion has changed at all on Buddy Hield at the trade deadline and/or Miles Turner at the trade deadline?
4: Uh, you know, I think that you have to consider your start a little bit if you're the team, how those guys are fitting and playing. To me, though, you know, they, they said before the season they're taking a longer term approach to team building. I wouldn't think that, you know, a 500 start would, would sway where you are in your opinions from at least my seat. But that said, you know, especially in Heald's case, he's really close with Tyler Albert. right? That has to matter. Team building planning if Tyrese likes the guy, you, you you know, you keep them around or you you know see what the thoughts are with him being moved and with Turner of course he's having the best season of his career by quite a bit. Uh, and it's proven to be a good fit with again Tyrese Town and, and Nick Matherin who are the core of this team. So I think the fact that they're both playing well Matters more than the team's surprising start, if that makes sense, in terms of if any opinion would change on them in in the front office or uh, what it would take for them to be moved, things like that. But I still think that, you know, they said before the season it's a new era. They're they're taking a not year-to-year approach. It's a longer approach to team building. And their two best players are 22 and 20 years old, right, are their two most... Uh, important to the core players, I should say, are 22 and 20 years old, right? Like they, they still should be thinking long-term to me. And I get that they've had this surprising start where they're, you know, in the play in picture and a, a threatening team every night who's competing with good teams and, you know, a 500 team with, with vets who are playing well. But I still think that the best approach for them should be what it was before the season, which is continue to think long-term and see what's out there.
2: If and when Tony, they do move either Buddy Heald or Miles Turner in the next couple months Um, I think draft picks is honestly where a lot of our minds kind of goes towards. The Pacers already have three first-round picks for next year. Is there such a thing as, like, too many first-round picks in a draft? Or, like, how are you kind of looking at possible return on either of those guys?
4: They're they're already close to to too many, just given that, you know, but Neesmith, Smith, and Halliburton, that's three lottery picks from the 2020 draft. Duarte from last year, right? Matherin from this year. Uh, plus other guys in the mix that are young on uh, their team, like Jackson, for example, like Bursette, if he sticks around, like an Embard, who was the second-round pick this past year. I just think eight guys, like, if you you can't even fit three players into your team, right? They, they wouldn't be playing on the court, and no, no he was the, maybe the right pick given their roster at the time, but, like, we just talked about how Goga can't even get on the floor, and for him the issue was that there wasn't enough minutes for him to play, like, they, they, that situation is really tricky. So adding more picks just makes that even more complicated for this team. So, yes, I agree with you 100% that if they do go into trade se- or, you or know, sell a player, whatever terminology you want to use, go into trade season to looking to move a vet, I think that first-round picks, obviously they're valuable. You can flip them, but maybe ones that are farther out in the future would make more sense to the Pacers than more immediate ones so they can you know either... Be able to trade that pick themselves over the years, or you know, use that pick when their team isn't as log jammed with already a bunch of young players who are worthy and deserving of minutes. I think for the Pacers right now, you know, young players under contract or you know, other movable pieces and flexibility would be what they would prioritize. I, you know, I keep
1: going back to when it when it comes to like stockpiling picks. You know, I remember a couple of years ago when Boston was doing that, right? And like in the like, I think sixteen seventeen, they had a ton of second round and first round picks and. It just gives you flexibility to to miss on a few, if you will. Uh, and then if you can get <laughs> Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, it works out, right? But uh, safety in numbers, I guess. At T-East NBA is the Twitter account for Tony East. And again, SI Pacers and Forbes Sports, among other places where you can read his work in covering Indiana. Tony, appreciate it. Happy holidays to
2: you. Yeah, thanks, guys. Happy holidays to you as well. Thanks, Tony. Tony East right there. On the Payless Liquors hotline. I do think one thing that I've been a bit disappointed by at the Pacers this season, Jake, we're about 30 games into it, and I don't feel like we've seen. And again, part of this is minutes, and you alluded to Goga earlier. I would like to have seen more from Jalen Smith and Isaiah Jackson at this point.
1: You mean more in terms of their production? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, more in their role, mainly for Jackson, probably more than Smith. Yeah. You know, Smith, they tried at the four. Um, I, I've I've been very high on Jalen Smith, and I don't think he's kind of lived up to what I maybe thought. Uh, but, again, that is such a looming question you have to ask yourself uh, if Miles Turner is going to be moved, in that there is no clear direction uh, for the tallest guy on your floor, uh, on the floor, uh, whether that be Jalen Smith, Isaiah Jackson, and then if you even want to entertain Gogo. Can you imagine if Tony Eastmark
1: was the, if he covered uh, was it Johnson and Wales? Is that who he said? What? Where the hell are we going back here? W- what school is that from South Carolina? Erskine or whatever? Erskine. 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 Can you imagine if he covered Erskine? We can't and even pronounce
3: it, it pr- yes. properly. <laughs> Tony if, East would be in due now west. west. Now we're going to yeah. make directional Tony, jokes. Tony
1: East would be in due West South Carolina if he was. So think about that. Tony right? East will be in due
3: West in South Carolina. Correct. Right. Boy. What if you live north there too? <laughs>
2: Mark, why are you entertaining this? Do you think he'd wear North Face? I don't know. It wouldn't be cold enough, right? No. I wouldn't imagine so. <laughs> you know anything about this new NCA president? He had some Mark,
1: wouldn't, didn't you point out he was a politician that had was the governor of Massachusetts, I di- believe. But didn't you say that he had something like he had a an indiscretion in the past of some sort?
3: Something no he's trying to he was trying to overrule a case of uh of some sort i don't know if i really want to he go into it on the air he had
1: slight controversy yeah. is that right
3: oh. okay is this for off there it was probably not a topic for a week of the christmas holiday stick to directions is what you're yeah, saying let's go back to directions um
2: i did see you see a couple names floated around for that position mitch daniels and anthony gonzalez
1: well anthony gonzalez is in it he is no longer in politics right i believe that's correct And I'd like to know also what's going on with the library. I like the Central Library, but they've been—they—they they keep swinging and missing on people that they're nominating, and now people are fighting about it. Have you heard about this? Really, R- yeah.
2: right here off Meridian?
1: Yeah, like they had like a—they—they they nominated one fella, and he there was some issue, and so they removed him, and then they nominated somebody else, and then they had a meeting about it to welcome him, and people came in and started protesting and marching around with. It's like Ray Bradbury stuff. I don't know what's going on.
2: I'm just happy the library I go to, 42nd College, is. Up you know, the Nora, the Nora Library
1: closes at 6 now, and it's almost nostalgic to me because in high school, that's where we would go and to, to like, quote-unquote, study and kind of hang out, I guess. Maybe that's why they closed it at 6, because they got tired of the high school kids hanging around. Mike's
3: t- making out in the history section again. <laughs> yeah. Kids, get out of here.
1: Go to the basement of the Vogue. <laughs> no, it's the basement of the, the J.C. Murphy building. This is from Mike. Adjacent
2: to the Vogue. Mike tweets us at me. Not sure how you don't drink in the morning.
0: What,
2: what? Mike? What do you mean? Counting down the days till we're back at Carb Day when I'm I, allowed to drink on the show. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, you, well, that and the pace routing too. Kevin was making up for a lost time then. <laughs> Literally, yeah. I'll be back during the break. I'm gonna go shotgun a couple around the corner. <laughs> I don't, I don't see why, why there's any reason for you to have to what what we're doing here. That was those Coors is, Banquet beers. The, the,
1: those went down pretty well. Okay, let, let me ask you something. Would you say that the Coors Banquet beer? Would you say that it flows? The beer was flowing at Carb Day, right?
2: Just like this. I show. don't even know if I want to say just anything like out loud because I know it's this, just going to go right, is right is down the Coors path of banquet
1: beer of shows. We just flow, just naturally, right? Isn't that right, Mark? Yeah.
2: <laughs> is this where like you make an iceberg <laughs> Titanic joke. I'm just
3: <laughs> no. And Coors <laughs> is made in Colorado, which is due west. <laughs> that is correct. Yeah.
2: You two together, right? Next yeah, Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday and Friday. Yeah, well, I'm Buckle sure up. people are looking forward to that now. Thanks for the endorsement. Yeah, <laughs> the Fitch goes, I always assume you're having a screwdriver in that drink that you have each morning. Yeah. What what do you drink? In it, there? it is this is just pure old liquid death H two O, baby. Okay. Nothing wrong with that. I'll bring some tequila tomorrow. You can spike yeah. it a little bit. Um, pop quiz coming up in a few. 317-239-1070 on that front. Let's do a morning checkdown.
0: The morning checkdown Brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
1: College basketball yesterday it was Southern Indiana over IUPUI, 87-74. Jags now fall to 2-10. and Purdue-Fort Wayne, 85-68 winners over uh, TAMU Commerce. Would that be Texas A&M University of Commerce? I thought it was Corpus Christi, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Didn't they make comes. the tournament the Islanders, if I'm not mistaken? You know, that Texas A&M uh, Commerce, they're always available for mid-season trades, just so you know.
2: Now that didn't work out. The NIL for Texas A&M, right? They spent a lot of money on their football team. Didn't really work out this year. <laughs> no,
1: didn't Nick Saban say that they're out like buying their their team? And the, did they go five hundred? Did they even make it to a bowl? No, they they struggled mightily.
2: Uh, tonight, college basketball down in Bloomington. <laughs> it's Indiana versus Elon. Uh, again, Xavier Johnson, the update there does not sound very good. So, I think it's an important stretch here to close out Christmas and even into the new year. They'll only play two games, Mike Woodson's bunch, Elon and Kennesaw State. But you've got to find out what you're going to do at point guard moving forward with Jalen hood shafino And then, pretty much, you're moving somebody out of position as the backup there. So, um, important stretch for Indiana. Purdue back in action tomorrow night. They've got New Orleans. That's a nine o'clock tip. I Purdue's
1: got to be the back at Mackey. ESPNU. Purdue's got to be the least talked about. And I, if I was a Purdue fan living in this town, it would drive me bonkers. They are the number one team in the country. Eleven and zero. They've been dynamite. They've had two very impressive wins. They are playing. You know, with with very good guard play. They're number one in the country. They're one of five unbeatens. And here we are talking about the fact that Indiana slid five spots to number 21 in the college coaches' rankings after getting blown off the floor by Kansas.
2: I mean, I think um, it's fair to talk about Indiana when it, one of their best players it, potentially suffers is. a season Indian injury.
1: And again, I go back to the analogy of we are a delicatessen, and if seven out of ten people coming in ask for turkey sandwiches, we better have a lot of turkey, right? And that's the reality, is in Indiana, there are a lot of Indiana... They're Purdue fans, of course. And they've been off to a great start. UConn, Houston, Kansas, Arizona rounding out the top five. Watch and the again, turkey sandwich Indiana down with
2: that Coors Banquet beer, too.
1: That, that's right. <laughs> was, yeah, right? That'd be like great.
2: Again, shotgun yeah. it if you were me. <laughs> um, Monday Night Football last night, 24-12. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers over the Rams. It was that a true... Suck- Lambeau environment, cold weather galore. Rams definitely not suited for it. A.J. Dillon two touchdowns, Aaron Jones in the end zone. Green Bay still needs a lot of help to get into the postseason, uh, but that was a much needed first step for them as they try to close out the year. Thursday night football this week will be Jacksonville at the Jets. That is a very important AFC game as the Jags try to continue to push Tennessee. and The Jets have got some making up to do to try and get into the wild card. Who would have thought that Jaguars-Jets on Thursday night
3: is the best primetime game in Week 16? The best. God, it's so true.
2: Give us that Christmas Day and the Monday night, sat- obviously. The Saturday
3: primetime game is Raiders-Steelers on NFL Network.
1: Oh, the Immaculate Reception. Yeah, right. that's the 50th anniversary. 50 year, yeah. right.
3: uh, Sunday night football is Bucks cardinals and of course, Monday night,
1: Chargers-Colts. Bucks cardinals I mean... Yeah.
3: So, Jaguars-Jets...
2: For playoff locations is the best primetime game. So that's the second straight year the Cardinals that played on Christmas at night, right? hmm Colts Cardinals last year. Yeah. On Christmas. Um anything else you got over there, Jake? No, I was just thinking about if the Colts are back to practice tomorrow, by the way,
1: with the Monday nighter. If Christmas was on Sunday, would they play a full slate of game? Uh, I'm well, sorry. it is.
2: They, they've, right. moved, they've, they've moved, they've moved, moved them. them to I Saturday. Was thinking, I was
1: thinking of... That's right. They have no games?
2: They have three Christmas Day games. They wouldn't... They've moved their chunk of their Sunday schedule to Saturday. I mean, so. they don't
1: do it like in the like 1 o'clock starts, right? The, it'll be staggered on Sunday. 1, four
2: thirty, and 8. Uh, would you go to a 1 o'clock start on Christmas? Again, I know we've had this debate before, Jake. I do think it's like a great Christmas present. It's in
3: Miami, so you don't have to worry about you know, you, the weather. You wake up and
2: Mark's given the girls a couple tickets to the game, and that's their Christmas present. Boy, we that'd be a hell of a commute.
3: There you go, girls. Well, Got tickets to Packers <laughs> Dolphins. Let's obviously, I am saying
2: if you were in that market, man. Yeah, it's it's unusual scheduling. Um, you know, the NBA hates it though. Oh, for sure, the NBA has
3: to go up against the NFL
2: on Christmas Day,
3: and this is going to be an annual thing, right? Because aren't the isn't the NFL going to have an annual Christmas game going forward? Is that a thing? That's what I thought was going to be the case. I thought it was the um, Black Friday game. Knock into the knock into the NBA
2: slate a little bit. I thought it was just that Black Friday You might be game right, that they're know. doing. All right, Pop quiz time 317 239 1070. Have either of you taken a gander at it? I've not. I've got to pull Mm-mm. it up here. Let's see. Jake was too busy making directional
1: jokes. I, I, I wasn't making any directional jokes. They write themselves. <laughs> <laughs> looks, <laughs> like, looks like a kind of a. Far-fetched one. (laughs) Okay, let's see. Um, It's not bad. Not terrible.
2: Uh, 317 239 Seventy Pop quiz time.
5: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips.
0: have you studied can you handle the pressure sharpen your pencils it's time for the pop quiz with kevin and inquiry brought to you by jiffy lube indiana's favorite oil change since 1985
1: i think a very manageable pop quiz very manageable
2: is that you saying you're about to give four hints on five questions (laughs) no i'm just telling you it's manageable uh, number one through
1: eight. Uh, we'll let Quinn pick our guest in the studio. Quinn, give me number one through eight. Uh,
2: three.
1: Three. Joe, what's up, Joe? Hey, what's
7: going on, guys? Joe, how you doing? I'm good, man. Hey, real quick comment on Jake's um, delicatessen conversation is as a Purdue grad myself, the fact that we say I use name before every kickoff we get what we get man like uh if we can't stop thinking of them during our football game you guys can keep thinking of them during your uh radio you know what joe i've said that
2: mature move by joe that is joe i i've i've thought that odd to
1: be honest with you is like at basketball games when they chant iu when purdue's playing
2: michigan so remind me again it's it's just during like the fights they say iu sucks is that what it is
7: yeah, they do it at every kickoff during the football game,
2: and then they do it
7: during our, uh, like when we're doing our song.
2: And it, it kind of irritates the hell out of me, man. <laughs> I just think it's so stupid. Is that common? I, I'm trying to think of other rivalries. I, I do not. I was at
7: the uh, Big Ten championship game, and we brought IU into that arena for no reason at
1: all. It's a good, I mean, a good it's way of saying so it. Irritating. What year did you graduate from Purdue, Joe? 05. And or did you grow up in the area, or did you come to Purdue and then stayed in the area? No, I'm in I'm in Fishers now. Well, uh, but I mean, where'd I'm you a, grow up?
7: Oh, I'm in Apache. Can you tell me the high school?
1: Apache boy Attica. That's Ball Bash Pride, baby. Kay. Orange and black. Wow. Okay. I'm somewhat close. Because here's what I've always said, Joe. When I was a kid, I was a big fan of Indiana because the one thing I knew is that I lived in the state of Indiana, and my parents, neither one really had a connection there. My mom, I think, went for a little bit to IU, but I just knew that Indiana was where I lived, and so therefore I liked Indiana, and Purdue's, so there's a larger contingency of non-affiliated people that would root for Indiana over Purdue. And produce graduates, because their programs are outstanding but very specified, are more likely to move elsewhere upon graduation and not settle in Indiana per se. So, 100%. Man, I grew up an IU fan in Fort Wayne.
7: Yeah. Um, always grew I remember that uh, when we lost to. The it kentucky right and then the final four i can't remember exactly but the, the whole family was iu fans until i went to purdue and then just slowly grew to hate them a little bit more
2: joe <laughs> who's your uh, who's your favorite purdue athlete basketball or football uh, my first
7: jersey I ever owned was Big Dog. So yeah, I'd probably go that with Breeze right
1: behind him. Yeah, Big Dog was something, man. That was much. Can't senior. go wrong with either of my class in high school, and he was unbelievable. All right, here we go, Joe. Would you like for me? That would be Jake, or for Kevin to lead you off with question number one? I'll go with Jake. He gives more
0: hints.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> although I can't argue. Although that you one. need, you know what, Joe, you need the hint for number two. All right. Oh well, then I'll go. Uh, I'll go,
2: Kevin. All Joe, go. let's be honest. Jake has never stopped giving hints, whether he's asking the question or not asking the question. Yeah, true uh, enough. Number That's one, true Joe. Enough. NFL Week 15 came to an end last night. Name two of the three teams that have clinched division titles so far. Get the- uh, Philadelphia and Kansas City. How about one more guess. Philadelphia, Kansas City. Division title. Two in the NFC. Two in the NFC. Joe, have you ever dipped? Dipped? Yeah. It's uh, a bit personal you know, for no, Joe, really maybe? Like
1: well, if you had buddies in college that dipped, they likely bought Kodiak or this other brand. God,
7: why can't I think this? Like, I know football really well. Joe, who really do the Colts
2: lose to on Saturday? Oh holy hell!
1: <laughs> oh man, oh, real boy. cold, real cold city. There's two of them. They're right you next to each other. this Think isn't great for the Aggie Purdue Aggie education Aggie.
2: right here.
7: I'm telling you what, what an embarrassment! We lost to uh, 33. Oh, Minnesota!
2: God dang! All right,
1: he got there eventually. All right, question number two for you, Joe, (laughs) which I'm very confident about after the performance of question number one. This is like a three-paragrapher. Okay, this is a long one. Purdue and Connecticut are ranked one and two in this week's AP Men's College Basketball Poll, just the second time in poll history that two teams that were unranked in the first poll of the season occupy the top two spots. The only other time it happened was in February of 1966, and the two teams involved met in the national championship game, in which afterwards, Pat Riley of the losing team famously went in to shake hands with the members of the winning team despite the alleged urging of his coach. Name one of the two schools. Pat Riley. They made a movie out of it. Uh, Was
7: it the team out of Texas that... uh... Uh, I want
1: to say Pat Riley played for Syracuse. I'm not sure. I feel like Tim, he kind Tim of Mark, got okay. one of them. Texas former, former Pacer Antonio Davis played at this school. Texas
2: Christian? No. Okay. Yeah. Joe number three, Damian Lillard became the all-time leading scorer in Trailblazers history last night. Who did he pass as a leading scorer in Trailblazers franchise Just history? Glided right past him. Terry Porter, Clyde Drexler, no, LaMarcus Clyde Drexler. All. Clifford <laughs> Robinson. Okay. okay. Uh, question number
1: four. The Rams' loss last night gives them 10 losses on the season. Name the only other defending Super Bowl champion to lose 10 games the following year. Was it the 68 Packers, the 87 Giants, the 99 Broncos, or the 03 Tampa Bay Buccaneers? I'll
2: go with the Buccaneers. Okay. Alright, to round it out, Colts lost a 33-0 lead and eventually the game as they lost to Minnesota, as you said earlier, uh, on Saturday. The Vikings win from 33 points down, broke the old record of 32, set by the Buffalo Bills in a wild card playoff game, thanks to Frank Reich, against Houston in 1993. Who held the old regular season record with a 28-point comeback? 49ers, St. Louis Cardinals, the Bills, or the Lions?
7: uh my dad's a lions fan but they never come back from anything so i'm gonna go with (laughs) have you watched them this Uh, year though oh they've been good man believe me it sparked a lot of conversation i'm happy for them um what was the first one san francisco
2: yeah how about you go with that one
1: yeah let's go with that one all right Joe seems like a nice fella. I'd like to have, I'd like to have Joe to my PBR party. Yesterday I declined to my first invitation for the DBI uh, PBR party by the really? way. Really? Yep. Uh, that fella that said that I'm a jerk for going to the Yuletide and the matinee because that meant that kids can't go. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, no PBR for you. All that, right, question that's number one. the first no
2: you've handed out. That's right. right.
1: Yeah, well, he's, he actually invited himself, which that alone, you know, I can appreciate that, but I just said, yeah, no, I don't think so. Uh, question number one, NFL Week 15 came to an end last night. The two uh, two of the three teams that have clinched divisions so far, Kansas City, Minnesota, and San Francisco. C. Uh, uh, correcto. though.
2: Number two was long winded, to say the least. Uh, The only other time uh, Purdue and UConn ranked 1 2 in the men's college basketball poll. Just the second time in AP poll history, you have two teams that were unranked in the first poll of the season now occupy spots 1 and 2. The last time was 1966. Name one of the two teams. I guess his official guess was TCU? Yeah, that's who he
1: guessed. Texas Western was the team coached by Don Haskins that had five African-American players as their starters the first time that that had happened. And they went up against Kentucky. And Pat Riley, of course, played for Kentucky. Adolf Rupp was the coach of Kentucky. Texas Western, now known as UTEP. Hi Drexler was correct.
2: Joe, happy holidays, ma'am.
1: 99 Broncos because John Elway had retired was the answer for number four and the 49ers trailed the Saints 35-7 at half and a 38-35 overtime win on December 7th of 1980.
2: You still surprised about that Purdue number one ranking stat I mentioned yesterday about the only Big Ten team to do it in consecutive seasons since IU in 75-76? Totally
1: the only yeah that's the only Big Ten school right? Correct. You would have thought Michigan State would have done it, right? I thought
2: Michigan State, and then I thought potentially Ohio yeah, State. I, I thought is Ohio State. Um, I, I mean, don't you feel like Michigan's had some good teams? Totally, e- even post Fab Five. The,
1: the thing about Michigan, though, when they were the well, you're right. I mean, Michigan I mean, they've had some made a national twice. title game here yeah, in yeah. the last decade. Um, you know, I'll tell you an underrated or, or easily forgotten really good Big Ten team slash era. And they get lost because around here you had Indiana and then you know with Chaney and that group and Glenn Robinson and his group at the same time and the Fab Five. But a lot of people forget how good Jim Jackson's Ohio State teams were in the early 90s. Jimmy Jackson and Lawrence Funderburk and Jamie Skelton, they had some good teams, man. Some good, good teams. Did Jim O'Brien around there? Um, would that have been Randy Ayers, I think? And no, Gary that, Williams? His
2: son played in Notre Dame really yeah ryan airs was he good yeah i remember Ellis airs i still shoot it i, I think f- we still, like still my mom shot there a lot at christmas time we
1: still had there's one ls airs box that remains like in my family and it's like getting the golden ticket for willie wonka like if you open up a, a package and it's like
2: oh my gosh the ls airs box we got to keep that set it aside my mom used to do a wrapping box draft after christmas each year all right, let's put all the boxes and bags in the <laughs> middle, and we're going to draft them. That's pretty awesome. Oh yeah, you talk about a tankathon for that. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. You get some pretty intimidating moments you there. Have, from is there a particular Uncle is there a
1: particular gift wrap that is nostalgic to your family? Like for hours, like a like a wrapping paper. Yes, like my grandfather always. You always knew a package was from your from my grandparents when it had like the old. Um, illustration of Santa Claus on it, like the old school yeah. looking one. So when we see that kind of a gift wrap now, like everyone in the family is like, "Oh my gosh," because my grandparents are obviously long gone. But
2: you know, when I think of honestly wrapping paper, I just, I don't think there's a human being in the world worse at anything than i am at wrapping oh bud you're
1: i flunked geometry kevin how good do you think i am at it
2: i mean you to say that i patchwork it would be the biggest understatement it, of history. Is, i got tape everywhere yeah, i've oh, got totally. jagged edges it what about do you get like the like, it looks me, awful for me there, it, there's
1: a health hazard in opening a, a package that i gift wrapped because when you uncork that one piece of tape you never know what might come unfurling out from underneath yeah. it right
2: it's a good boy, and I just waste so much wrapping paper. Totally. I, I just I'm not efficient. Of course, no, I, I'm, I'm Matt
1: Ryan as, as quarterback. I'm just that can not like efficient. These perfect edges, like these ladies at Von Mar It's like
2: I mean, yeah. I, okay. The
3: worst is when you're like, I've got enough, and then you're still short. You're like, damn, you it.
2: I, I literally know what their that. lawn looks like. Yeah hey i'll just throw a bow here to cover up this hole <laughs> <laughs> ripped it a little bit have yeah. you ever right. done a frankenstein rap? no big
3: deal what does that mean
1: well like you you get done and you're like oh wait a minute like i ran out of paper and so you go with a totally different paper like oh, you got sure. the, the snowman paper and then there's like one section that's now all of a sudden you know rudolph yeah i've done
3: it where it'd be short and i just grab like scraps from it and i just that's put what it I mean. underneath yeah, yeah.
2: yeah that's which what... i like to think is creative artwork yeah <laughs> If you put that in IMA, you you would say that's beautiful. My mom's like made fun of me
1: before, like, "Well, look at your rap effort." And I'm like, "At least you know, like, you would, you should appreciate that I took the time to try to wrap everybody's gifts, right?"
2: Tonight and tomorrow, that's on the agenda
1: for me. Oh, I do it. I got smart several years ago, and now what I do is when I, each day that I Christmas shop, I go that night I wrap it and then I put them in a tub and like it's all good to go. Boy, that's. Oh, I've had packages sitting there since like June. (laughs) That's very efficient by you. It is. Gosh. It, it wasn't raining when Noah built the art, Kevin. I was a Boy Scout. You're always prepared.
2: Kevin and one-
5: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Final time. Is that Sandler?
2: Yeah, oh, of course. Hanukkah song part two. Hanukkah yesterday began, is that correct?
3: Yep, that sounds about right. Uh, I
2: think we're about day three or four. Are we day three or four into it? Or are we a few days into it? Safe travels, to I everybody out we're there. We are in day three, right? Um, obviously, a busy time of year: Hanukkah, Christmas, Kwanzaa, and time off for people. So, <laughs> so "What day of Hanukkah be... is it?" And it's a Tuesday.
1: <laughs> it doesn't help me. It's day three. I'm certain because um, Sunday it began. Well, yeah, because didn't Josh Horowitz on the Raiders broadcast say on the opening night of Hanukkah?
2: And yeah, that was Sunday, that, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How about this from Field Yates? The temperatures we're looking at this weekend in the NFL, <laughs> these are some wild, wild temps. So again, we've got a lot of games coming up on Saturday this weekend, uh, three on Sunday. Right now, Bills at Bears, the forecast for Saturday, negative negative twelve, 11 degrees. Seahawks at Chiefs, negative 6. Uh, and again, this is the feels-like temperature. At the Browns, negative 9 Texans at Titans in Nashville, folks, 5 degrees. Falcons at Ravens, 7. Raiders at Steelers, negative 4. So you're looking at four games with a feel-like temperature in the negatives coming up on Saturday. If
1: you were a fan, okay, if your team was playing in a fill-out-the-season game, in other words, you're out of playoff contention... You're under 500 and it's this time of year and you're at an outdoor stadium. Here you go, Bears against the Bills in Chicago. If you're a Bear, okay. But what if they're playing a team that also has is terrible?
2: Oh, so you're saying like both teams are it's like Broncos Cardinalsville were an outdoor game. Correct. So in a game like
1: that, what is the outdoor temperature where you would say, yeah, I'm not doing it? Oh gosh.
2: Boy, I'd like to think I was tough. I I mean, is there any appeal to like watching the Bills if you're Mark's Bears? I feel like that would be the the
3: big draw, seeing Josh Allen and Josh and Justin Fields. But is there something about
2: banding together and let's drink some hot chocolate? I mean, I and could hand see, warmer it to death. And, I could see it being tell my kids about this one day. Yeah, and you
1: know the danger becomes a lot of times people are like oh you know we'll just do some shots or whatever, and that, and that actually could be pretty dangerous. But I, I can see people. There being like an element of fun to it, right? Of like the anomaly of it. But then after like a quarter, being like, okay,
3: how many? I'm good. You're like, I can have their shirts off in that weather. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Look how tough I am. When you're like, boy, I can now only feel two and a half toes. Yeah. I mean, do you guys see the leading Pro Bowl vote getter? Which player garnered the most votes from fans? A Justin Johnson, right? Yeah. League wide.
3: one. I'm going to stick with Justin Jefferson.
2: Sticking with Justin Jefferson?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Quinn, I, I think I hear you in the background. Who you got? It's Tua. Tua! Wow. The leading vote-getter. We uh, mentioned it last week. The Vikings were the number one team. They got overtaken in the last week by the 49ers. I oftentimes forget how rich that 49ers brand is. It's a pretty strong brand. It is. Uh, Pro Bowl will be announced Wednesday uh, This for
1: Paul. I don't really want to go on Monday night, and it's going to be 72 degrees and indoors.
2: <laughs> well played. That is great. I did, uh, Jake, by the way, and I was hoping you could plug this. I had a couple of people reach out to me. They've sent uh, their tickets for the Colts-Texans game to end the year um, to go to IPS Kids. Correct. Um, so they have forwarded them to me. I'll forward them on. Excellent. Um, will you refresh our memory on exactly so, what people can do with those tickets. Yeah,
1: so I have gotten in touch with one of the tutoring programs and mentor, probably a better way of saying it, mentor programs uh, that is part of the United Way. The group is called the 100 Black Men, which I was a part of as a mentor for them for years. And they work with uh, children throughout central Indiana and IPS schools primarily, but through a number of different ways. And got a hold of them and if you have tickets to for that matter the monday night game as well i mean any of the colts remaining home games if you have tickets that you are not going to use and you are not attending uh and you want to be able to give an opportunity for a child that would normally probably not get an opportunity to go to a colts game you can forward them to me on email because they're all electronic now obviously jake me at me.com M-E. I always say my two favorite people JakeQuery at me.com. Obviously, Jake at 1075thefan.com works as well. So, whichever is easier for you to remember. If you forward me the tickets, I will forward them on to the United Way and 100 Black Men. We can get you a receipt if you so desire. That is not a problem. Um, they have a, a means to do that and a Ticketmaster account that can get you a receipt if that is of your choice um, and be happy to pass them along.
2: Again, um, so yeah, for that to either of our email and we'll get them to the people that need it. Kind of an awesome way to end the year. All right, we'll talk to you tomorrow, but have a great Tuesday. Kevin McCoy.